Hello, diners. Ishel here. We have arrived at episode 308, and I am so excited to share this episode with you guys. A few things before we get into it. If you are a fan of Queer's Folk, you know what happens in 308. But something that I didn't remember until I got back to this, my second watch of it, was there's a lot of other stuff that goes on in this episode. So I just wanted to drop off maybe some trigger warnings. Um, This episode does deal with underage hustlers, and there is some mention of um, implied child abuse. Ken and I are new to podcasting, and we are still learning how to be responsible hosts. And so even though we're excited about sharing the really good stuff, we want to be upfront about some of the more gritty things as well. So just keep that in mind. Take care of yourselves. But yeah, again, this is 308. And this is one of those episodes where it is a favorite for so many people. And there, everybody has their favorite line, their favorite scene, their favorite camera angle. And this is just our in the moment reaction to what we saw on screen. And there will be some additional commentary for 308 because there's so much more to say about this episode. But for now, this is what you guys get. So let's get into it. I'll see you on the other side. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are, but before we do that, I feel like I need to kind of walk back through, we're not going to do it today, but I feel like we need a whole episode to walk back through 301 up to this point. Absolutely. (laughs) No, I I agree. Because so much has gone on and I need to emotionally process all of this. In hindsight, is 2020, now that we've seen some more things. I need to walk back through all of my thoughts and emotions. Facts. Because, I mean, this season is a season within a season. Yeah. Like, I mean. <laughs> we're, we're only halfway. Halfway. The storylines are just insane. Yeah. Like, insane. I am so happy I saw, saw this oh, saw this episode tonight. It is correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's all I can say. Yes. <laughs> well, the people were so excited for you to get to this episode. And I personally was excited to get to this episode with you, but also with me, because you guys know this is my second watch of the whole series, but I binged the first one, so I like barely count that. But I, yeah, I was so excited. This is one of my favorite episodes, and I was so excited to get here. Yo, this um, is a staple episode for me. Like, this is the one that I will always pull back to. Yeah, you yeah. You know, like, yeah. this is this is so much to unpack, girl. Right, right. Love it. <laughs> I know. But yeah, we'll definitely, hopefully at some point, we can find time to do just kind of like a rehash. A recap, of, yeah. Yeah, a recap mm-hmm. of the first, of 301 to 308. But anyway. Yeah, we can do that. We can make it like a little mini little episode or yeah. something, you know, a little 30 minute little fun something for you guys. You know? Yeah, let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. But today we are jumping into 308 and I have written a whole uh, three part series for <laughs> this episode. <laughs> it's so <laughs> much. I might just have to like post some of my notes online somewhere because there's like no way we're going to get through all of what I wrote down here. But anyway, let's just get started. Before I forget, I was supposed to announce that we are launching our Patreon page or site or however that works. And that's going to be a really cool opportunity for you guys to get more access, more content, more behind the scenes information, and just more control and influence over what goes on with our podcast. We have so much stuff that we want to turn out to you guys. 
even beyond Queer as Folk when we're done with this show. And a lot of that we're going to funnel through our Patreon access. So be on the lookout for more information about that. Mm-hmm. Well, so we start out with uh, some street hustlers outside of Michael and Ben's apartment. And it's weird because, like, I know that this has been happening around Liberty Avenue, but we've mm-hmm. just never seen it, you know? And so we start out this episode with that. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's a part of this world also. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was a true depiction of what gay life for young adults can be like but the way it opened up i was like what's going on like i was so confused i know you thought it was justin like "Uh uh-oh he ain't got nowhere to stay yeah i was like oh my god like i mean brian won't let it back in the loft he can't go back to the shanty like what is up (laughs) with my boo thing i know he ain't out here selling that little that little thing out here there's a lot of fan fiction and you know props to fan fiction writers but there's a there's some there's a a good bit of fan fiction that writes Justin as a hustler. I can't read those. But, Why would uh, you even write? Justin, Justin doesn't read hustler at all. I guess part of it is you're creating an alternate universe. And so it's like a whole different world. I don't want to see him like I that. I know. I can't. I don't want to do it either. Yeah. And again, I know that there is like legitimate sex work and there is like forced sex work. Those are two totally different things. But it's just real hard for me to. I can't read those. I'll no, yeah. I, I can't process Justin being a hustler out <laughs> there on the street. I mean, I know, again, it's fan fiction, so you create whatever you want to create in your your little universe. I, yeah, I just... But yeah, not for me. I keep it safe and say I, it's hard for me to see him in in that role and in that way. I'll um, keep it safe and say the exact same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But mad respect to to people with creative minds who who write that. No, no diss to you. It's Big just, ups! You know, everybody's got what they like. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, I was a little confused in that opening scene, but I felt that it was a true depiction of what can happen to young adults you know, in this life that easily could have been Justin. Yeah. But, you know, he had a good support system around him. The Debbies, the, well, I ain't going to say Michael, but the Debbies, the Bryans, the Lindsay's. Even the Jennifers. Yeah, yeah and the Jennifers, you know, so he still had people who cared for him and let him express himself the way he needed to, but in a safe environment. Right, you know? but or, it, it totally could have been. It could have been him. It could have been him, yeah. Part of that, I've talked about this before, but part of that and knowing about this episode is what prompted us to start donating money to the LGBT mm-hmm. center, the central link. I'm sorry. And so that's why that's kind of our primary charity <laughs> that we support. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Just knowing like how real that is for, for so many youth breaks my heart. Anyway. Okay. We got to move on. I got a thousand things in this episode that make me want to cry. Happy tears and sad tears. So let's just, I will. I, yeah, we're gonna move on. But I will say, girl, this episode almost did it to me. Like, damn near was in. T- I'm not even yeah. playing. Like, no, I'm not kidding. Damn and near I in tears. Do, I do not cry. But right, no, no, yeah, me either. I yeah. only cry if I see my mama cry. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. or if Brad is hurt. Like, I cry for Brad, but I don't cry for myself. You know, like, so mm-hmm. it was like I was. I literally said, "Girl, I'm fixing to cry." Like, I mean, it, it was doing. Let's go. Let's go. It was doing it to me though. I was like, "Oh my god. Oh my god." Okay, so it has taken us five minutes just to do an intro, (laughs) but just get ready because that's what this episode is going to be. All right, so jumping back in, it seems like uh, this is pretty recent because we've been at Michael's apartment since season one when it was his apartment with Emmett. So it Mm -hmm. seems pretty recent that these kids are here and it's new to Michael and Ben as well because all this noise is keeping them awake. And they, Ben says it sounds like the streets in the bed with them. Uh, well, Michael has had enough and he's about to throw his shoe out the window because that's going to be very effective. But Ben gets up and goes outside to ask the guys to keep it down or to find another place to go. And I do like that he's fairly respectful about it because I think on some level, like we were saying, Ben understands that this is how they survive. Mm-hmm. 
And so before we briefly mention the legitimacy of sex work, and I really want us to explore that at some point. We won't get to it today, but at some point, I really want us to explore that. And also with Ben, 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 Ben being an educator, you know, I think he has some level of compassion for people, you know. Right. It's like a strong person who wants to dedicate and devote their lives to teaching others and bettering others. So I, I, we know that, you know, he's a very compassionate person. So the approach that he he he, he took going to these guys, I mean, he could have been an ass to them. They're keeping him up all hours of the night. He has to work in the morning, you know. Or, you know, we don't know if he had to work, but he has to be up in the morning or just trying to get some good sleep. He could have went down there and been an ass. But like you said, he showed them respect. Mm-hmm. He went down there and I feel like he was very respectful. Yeah, he didn't shame them. It no. was just like, hey, it's kind of loud. I'm trying to sleep. Can y'all keep it down? Yeah. Move down the road. That's it. Like, you know, like, just move it along. Just keep it pushing. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, they don't seem to be too concerned with their noise level. So Ben threatens to call the cops. And there's a John there who's talking to one of the kids. And this kid seems to be very much underage because he's using his youthful appeal to kind of as a marketing tactic. When the John hears the word police, well, he <laughs> hightails it out of there, of course. Zero questions and, asked. Uh, right. And he leaves behind this very upset hustler. And so with all of this, Ben has cost that kid some money, cost him a hundred bucks. And well, he gives Ben an opportunity to make it up to him. And he offers himself to Ben unprotected for $200. That scene just really struck a chord with me. Yeah. Um, because I, I, with me working so closely now, uh, like I mentioned a couple episodes ago, with me being in the, in our, you know, gay scene now, um, I had never been in that scene before I started working where I work now. And I've encountered a lot of young people who are positive, which I love that they're so comfortable to disclose, you know, information like that to me. But seeing this, this, this depiction of it, I can see how it can happen. You have nowhere else to go. And you would do anything for a dollar just so you can get some food or or, or some shelter, you right. know, or or whatever it is you may need. So you're offering the only thing that you know that you can use. And you've got to offer something that's better than what the guy next to you is exactly. offering. So you've got to willing to be willing to go one step to above up the him. ante. You know? Right. So, I mean, like, it just puts the kids in such a terrible situation. And yeah, and he, he like you said, he propositioned Ben and he asked and he propositioned him unsafe. Right. Not knowing not, that exactly. Ben is positive. Not, not knowing. even caring to ask true he didn't even ask you know like what is your status you Mm -hmm. know he didn't ask any of those type of questions that as a mature person you would ask someone he was just such in a desperate position that he would do anything for a buck but the man being is you know and i think in that terrified ben he could see that oh my god this young man his life is really going to be at risk uh, at this at this pace that he's going at not because just because you have sex with someone that's positive you're going to automatically get it but you're setting yourself up for destruction, I right. feel like. Well, it shows how little value he places on exactly. his life. If True. he's willing to put himself at risk for, for anything. Exactly. Just to have... A few dollars. A few dollars, which he does need to eat. So it's just... It's, it's very complex. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Ben comments that this kid can't be more than 16 years old when he gets a, a closer look at him. And so here's Ben propositioned by a very young hustler. And that in and of itself is really enough to get to you. But knowing that this kid is putting himself at risk, like we said... Um, a point that is really driven home by him propositioning Ben, that definitely makes Ben feel away. Yeah. All right. So then we see our baby Justin at Daphne's and um, bless him. He going, is he is emoing out going over here. It. Yeah, he's, got, poor baby. I know he's chain smoking. He's rubbing his head in the lampshade. Just <laughs> so yeah. So side note on Daphne's wall, there's a poster there. 
for Subway Series. It's a graphic novel, and it says it on the poster by Leela Corman. Here's a summary I found. Subway Series follows Tina, a frustrated teenage girl whose affections are divided between two guys. The problem is one has an out-of-town girlfriend, and the other is a complete jerk. I'll change a few pronouns in that summary. It's it? Justin, Brian, and fucking Ethan. Okay, <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. And so now I want to go like on Amazon and buy this this graphic novel and read it. Yeah, yeah. God, uh, good play on words. Um, direct. I mean, yeah, um, writers. Good little plugs. Yeah, there. good little plugs. Love yes, that. Yes, yes. Whoever does that part of research or whatever for, I guess like prop design or whatever, like. Insane. They understood the assignment. Yeah, yeah, you did. You understood the assignment, okay? <laughs> yeah. You sure did. Love that. Uh, but also, I'm just digging Daphne's place in general, the vibe of it. When you first saw it, you were like, is this the shanty? I know. Like, like, it was way too clean. I was like, Justin, you should have left this mug, you know what I'm saying? And then not only did you stay, you cleaned it? Yeah. <laughs> and decorated? Because the shanty, y'all bed was on crates. Right. Okay, but- Anyway, no, this is Daphne's place, and um, it's about what I expect from her. Mm-hmm. Well, she comes in trying to cheer Justin up with some peach yogurt, and she says he's been depressed for basically the entire first month's rent. Uh, so apparently he's moved in with Daphne, and he's been there for I'm willing to say a couple some weeks, a couple weeks. He's right, been there. But uh, I'm glad that he did have that place to go. He could go. Yeah, good old Daphne. Place. I mean, yeah. come on now, like we didn't, we barely saw her. Uh, what was that season two? We saw it one time at a party. Yeah, very and, huge. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, when you got you a ride or die, you don't have you don't what what's already understood don't have to be you know what I'm saying explained. Like, explained. Yeah. So that's the rider, okay? Like she yeah. came through for her boy. Yeah. Well, apparently he's been a pretty lousy roommate, and he offers to move out if she wants him to. But there's this like forlorn look on his face when he says that. Like, okay, well then where else would I go? Yeah. But. But Daphne doesn't want him to leave. What she wants is for him to snap out of his post-breakup depression. And so she's trying to cheer him up. Well, Justin says he can't stop thinking about him. He's been dreaming about him. He says last night he um had a dream that he'd learned to, this other guy had learned to meditate. And they were like getting it all mid-air. Yeah, no, he said levitate. Yeah, and they was, right. they was fucking in mid-air. Yeah. Okay, I'll say, y'all know she don't say the words. I'll say the yeah, words. Yeah, correct okay. me. I had that wrong. I wrote it down wrong. Um, well, Daphne is, she says, all right, well, it's, it's time to move on. Tell yourself that Ethan's history. And he looks at her like, girl, what? Like, <laughs> like, it's like the records are here. Yeah. Who is talking about Ethan? <laughs> he says, I'm talking about Brian. And my inner 12 year old girl has her hair in a side ponytail and is squealing. <laughs> girl, yes. I raised up off this. What? Yeah. <laughs> girl, I popped up. Like, what? Yeah, well, Daphne is just as happy to hear that as we are because she thought that Justin was over him. Well, he did too, but he was wrong. And he realizes that he made a really, a big mistake. Huge. Huge. (laughs) Yeah. Humongous. Yeah. Well, he asked Daphne for some advice and she says, well, bury it in your subconscious and forget about it. Well, that isn't working. He's been trying to do that. So Daphne tells him to deal with it. Tell him you still love him. (laughs) Justin doesn't think that will work. No. Nope. He says Brian would laugh in his face. True. Daphne suggests that he write Brian a letter. And Justin's like, nope, he'd tear that up. I agree. <laughs> and I'm usually with Daphne, but the letter idea is not her best no. one. No. Hell no. Even to, I thought everything she said, I agreed with Justin. Okay. If he yeah. told him, Brian, you, for what, you can't come over there and just tell Brian, you pull your little heart out. You direct no. Brian like that. Mm-mm. No. Uh-huh. You gotta have to play his game. Okay. <laughs> right. And then the letter shit, girl, yeah, he would have, br- fuck tearing it up. He would have got a match. He would look, he would look Justin right in his eyes. 
and leaned over a candle and just lit it on fire <laughs> in his hand. You know what I'm saying? And let probably. the ashes just go on the table and blew the ashes in his face like a kiss. Yeah, probably. That's what he would have done. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, I want to plug this in. I do love the two of them being friends and working through Justin's, like, relationship drama and heartbreak mm-hmm. after some very tense stuff between the two of them regarding Justin's relationship with Ethan because things have been kind of tense with them so right. far this season. She's been there for him, but she has not approved of the choices that he's been making. And he had to ride against her for his man, you right, know? Which right. is understandable at the same time, baby. Like, she, your best friend know you. She saw something that you didn't see. So I think, mm-hmm. I mean, he should have gave her the benefit of that, but he wanted to make this work. This was like an end all give all, like it's it's the everything, you know what I'm saying? Like, so he needed this one to work. So he was going to go against her no matter what. Yeah. But, but, and so even with that, even though she didn't disagree, she would just bite her tongue and just mm-hmm. kind of be there for her friend. But, and I think that's, he just sees how loyal she is, just how good of a friend she is. And so, he trusts her and he respects her enough to loop her in on all of this stuff that's going on. Um, but anyway, I think what we're getting from Justin is not that he thinks that Brian has moved on, but that he expects that Brian um, will just be like, no, been there, done that. I'm not going there with you again. I'm not doing it anymore. Like, that's a pretty valid assumption. Dude. It is. But we've never seen Justin shook, though. He seems a little shook in this. Like, I mean, like... Because he was so sure in season one. Like, no, you do want me here. No, you do love exactly. me. Exactly. No, you <laughs> yeah. Man, you're like, no, I can't. Well, because then no, in no, season no. two, he was that way, but it was it was totally different. It was a different different situation. Right. Um. But, uh, yeah, definitely based on what we talked about, you know, at the end of last episode, Brian was trying really, really hard not to look Justin's way. He was mm-hmm. really trying not to want him not to go there again. No, but so, was, he, was, he couldn't resist. Yeah. Well, Daphne redeems herself with the whole, after the whole write him a letter business by reminding Justin of what she did when she was madly, passionately in love with Billy Housard. And I imagine young Daphne and Justin talking about who they are madly and passionately in love with because... That phrase has been used before, but only by the two of them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something they started when they were kids. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I can just totally see young Daphne and young Justin, you know, <laughs> pointing people out in the hallway that yep. they're badly and passionately mm-hmm. in love with. And yeah. Justin drawing them and hearts and yeah. cupids. And- uh, well, anyway, in order to catch Billy Boy's eye, she put herself everywhere he was. She was in all his classes, at the swim practice, at the parties. She became a level one stalker, basically. And wherever he went, there she was. She was with it, though. Like, I'm I'm here for it, girl. Show that crazy side. <laughs> Show real. that crazy yeah, side. Yeah, wave that crazy flag. Yes, yeah. boo. I'm here for it, okay? Yeah, well, and I think Justin can see some merit to this idea. Uh, for the most part, aside from the diner where he works, he's been avoiding Brian's usual haunts. And the thing is, with the diner, I'm sure Brian knows or at least anticipates when he will see Justin there. So Brian's always in control of their interactions for the most part. Facts. And so Brian's always prepped himself for how to deal with knowing that he's going to see Justin. And so a couple of times we've seen him stutter step when he unexpectedly runs into Justin this season. So I think this is actually a good, a good plan. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay. Cause when, when she said it, you can see the wheels start turning in Justin's Like, maybe. Like, hold up. Yeah. Okay. Well, after she said that, you said, this episode is going to be cute. Yeah, yeah. Real <laughs> cute. Okay. Yeah. I'm ready for it. Yeah. I was ready for all the shenanigans after that. Oh, yeah. Well, then we see Lindsay, and she is getting ready to go, and she looks good. And Melanie agrees. 
She looks damn good. She got her hair all wet. Yeah, we have seen Lindsay in her homemaker couture a lot. So <laughs> it is very noticeable when she's in something professional. She got her hair, you know, she looked, I see how she didn't pull uh, Melanie, okay? Because yeah. she looks good, <laughs> yeah. all right? This is like, and Lindsay's a, a beautiful woman, but this is probably like the best we've yeah. seen her look. Even the, the clothing, like the tone she wore looked amazing on her skin. Yeah. The way the hair was going, it looked a little flirty, but professional. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Just she a brought her- blush on the yeah, yeah, she brought her sexy back. She's a sexy mom. She's a MILF. She was doing it. You know, yeah. like I was like, go ahead, girl. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, uh, she's headed off to work, and it seems like this is a fairly new occurrence because there's a hint of that mom's first day back at work separation anxiety when she's saying goodbye to Gus. Because we know, like, Gus is in, I guess, some kind of daycare, but we've not been told that Lindsay's gone back to work just yet. So right. This is a, a new thing. And she's leaving Melanie in charge. Um and that's a nice turn because remember, Melanie is now with child. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're seeing her being looped into more of the day to day stuff with Gus. And so roles are kind of shifting. Reversing, I mean, yeah. Yeah, like Melanie still has her job, but it's still just like there's kind of a shift in their dynamic and mm-hmm. in, in their home. But did you catch Lindsay run off the little the little list? Did you feed him? Did he do this? Da, yeah. Da, da. She just ran <laughs> off a little list. She's like, she's like, uh uh-uh, uh, this is my baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she's talking to her like she's the babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that ain't Gus's mama. I know. Like, girl, he in good hands. Okay. Yeah. Well, so she's nervous about that, but she's also nervous about her new job. You know, that she's doing what she said she wanted to do. Remember, she was hesitant about having another baby because, like, I want to get back to my career. And so it wasn't just talk. She's really taking Mm -hmm. steps to do it. And Melanie is very encouraging. And um, maybe she got caught up in a warped view of their roles at home before. But um, but now she's not pushing for Lindsay to stay home. She's encouraging her to go out and to do this thing. Yeah. And um, that's what I love about it. Like she, the little glow in her eye is like, she's so proud that Mel and that Lindsay's actually out here going for it. You know, it's easy to say it, but actually put the work into it and actually go out there and get it. And I mean, she looks fierce doing it. So, I mean, I just love that dynamic. Yeah. I stopped you in mid. I was like, don't they just look so real? They you do. Know? They just look they so look like a real, real. couple. Yeah, the, the acting chemistry. in this series is incredible. Incredible. <laughs> I wonder how many on-camera auditions together, how many screen takes did they have to do to see if they really had this chemistry? How is this really going to work? Because the chemistry seems effortless. Like, I mean, it's flawless. But they just kill that role. (laughs) So Lindsay is off. She's going off on uh, this new venture. And then we see Ben and Michael, and they're at the gym working out together, and it is uh, quite intense. Girl, I was like, what? Every scene with them, I was confused. Like, what is going on? I'm like, is he dreaming? Are they having a threesome? Like, where yeah, are they? Yeah, seeing like other men who are scantily clad, if clad at all, because all we're seeing is like muscles. <laughs> Moving, and just, and sweat, yeah. dripping. I'm like, yeah. okay. But, you know, this is something that they had been sharing together pre-steroids. And so it's good to see them getting back to mm-hmm. back to this because that was missing. You know, Ben was in the gym a whole lot, but it was about something totally different. But this is him and his partner and they're pushing each other and encouraging each mm-hmm. other. So I guess we're to see that. Ben did do what he said he was going to do. He did transition. Stop the, yep. He did mm-hmm. stop the steroids. Yeah, you know, we talked about that scene with Michael and Ben and um, the used needle and uh, and how uncomfortable that that made you just mm-hmm. because of your needle phobia there. Yeah. Well, um, Avery, one of our listeners and a friend, said it perfectly. He said that was the wake up call that Ben needed. Yeah, it was. Yeah. He, Good job, yeah. Avery. Mm-hmm. And not just to see. For him to see the effects of his steroid use, but for him to come to the to terms with the fact that his partner is not positive, but he still wants to walk beside him in any way that he can. Mm-hmm. And so 
Yeah, definitely. I think. Oh, I love that. Uh, so yeah, he definitely, Michael definitely got got through to him in that in that scene, and we see the effects of that here, where they're doing this thing together. Together, mm-hmm. yeah. So can we go off the rails for a minute? Let's go. I love when we go off the rails. Me too. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I stay ready, baby. Yeah. What's okay. up? So Peter Page told me that he he had pitched a steroid arc for Emmett's character. And I was super caught off guard by that. And I kind of stumbled my way through asking him how that might look. And so we talked about what might cause it or provoke it or whatever. And it would be something where if Emmett were bashed or assaulted in some way. Mm. And now that I think about it, it would have been it would have been like very intense and very riveting mm-hmm. um, to watch that. But so Emmett comes across as a super Nelly bottom, but I have no doubt that Emmett would like claw somebody's eyes out oh, if he had to. Seriously. Well, we've seen him in action. He, he, yeah, he's a protector for sure. Yeah, but I, I could definitely see someone mistaking his kindness for weakness and nearly or actually succeeding in taking advantage of Emmett in some way, you know? And I can see that making Emmett feel like he needs to toughen up. Right, you know. but um, I wouldn't want to see him toughen up with roids, though, because I can understand, for one, like if, if that happened, him being assaulted and things like that, it, it would be hard to show him get off of it. He would feel like that needs to be a part of him so he can continue to be strong, so he can continue to be a badass, so he can continue to protect himself and others around him, not seeing the harm that is causing him and not seeing the attitude, the mood swings that would be brought to him. But Ben, it worked off perfectly because... It was a way for him to, to cope with, you know, the disease and losing someone close and also build his body up that he thought was making his body strong. But the love for Michael was enough to cut it off. Yeah. I don't know how we would cut it off from Emmett. Like, I don't know well, how that would be written. Well, I'll just I do not have the emotional capacity for that story arc. Right. Because I am still super protective of, of Emmett ever since the See the Light people got a hold of him. Girl. So I could not have emotionally... like. My emotions couldn't have handled that, but <laughs> but it's, it would have been very fascinating. Right. <laughs> so I think the Ben route, like you said, definitely worked well to highlight a very serious issue of the mm-hmm. community at that time, though. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that was a good a good way to go. But I just wanted to throw that out. There right. Because... Right. Well, that was good to know. Though. I love yeah. your little fun facts that you give. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So back to the scene. Uh, Brian is also at the gym, and of course, he has a few words to say about Michael's grunts and all the noise he's making <laughs> during this physical activity. Well, apparently, uh, Michael is pretty loud, and Brian is surprised that they haven't been evicted, if that's what he's like at home. <laughs> Facts, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, Michael says they may have to move anyway, and Ben says it's because Brian's friend Stockwell has chased the hustlers off Liberty Avenue, and they have landed in Ben and Michael's neighborhood. So still, these are ripple effects of Stockwell, of Stockwell and how Brian is helping Stockwell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Brian's only acknowledgement of any of this is with the joke, of course. And uh, Michael points out that some of the kids out there look really young, like too young even for Brian. Um, Jab. And, you know, we lit- we've literally only seen Brian with one person who looked like he was pretty young. He was legal, mm-hmm. but still young. And, but he will never live that down. <laughs> well, Ben says that he's still stuck on one kid and he tells him what that he tells them all what that kid said. And Brian makes a very off color joke here. And I don't love it. Um, and this isn't the first time, and I'm sure it won't be the last time, that a character has said something kind of messed up. And uh, you can ask why the writers included things like that, but I think it goes back to their commitment to telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, that's how some friends talk and joke with each other. And I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with that from any angle, but uh, it doesn't seem like they were super concerned with making very PC characters 
because the show was supposed to be an honest portrayal of how a just a handful of people in the queer community or connected to the queer community, how they live and how they speak and how they move. Um, now, it does kind of beg for a discussion about what's acceptable versus what's accepted. And then um, and also the very tumultuous affair between honesty, integrity, responsibility and irresponsibleness when it comes to creating art in any form. Mm-hmm. But also, this is Brian trading a jab for a jab. Ben made a comment about Brian helping Stockwell. Michael made the underage Young joke. joke. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, they should know by now that Brian's always going to bring a gun to a knife fight. That so. part, okay. <laughs> he going to bring the bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to kind of point that out. But anyway. Uh, so, Ted has emerged. And Michael is very happy to see him there at the gym. Michael hasn't seen him in weeks because. Mm-hmm. The whole um, Stockwell bust raid thing. Yeah, right. I mean, that was, oh, Ted. Yeah, yeah, he lost his job, and he had this huge fine, just embarrassed publicly. Yeah, embarrassed publicly. out of him. And-, and he had to drop out so much money. I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure he had to drop out for legal fees. I mean, I know oh, she didn't yeah. do that for free. Well, and I then mean, just these fines, because they yeah. can hit you with all kind of stuff. And so, I mean, you got to line a whole bunch of pockets and, yeah, <laughs> and that lot. sort of thing. And so, I don't, I don't blame him for laying low. Um, well, Emmett whispers to Michael that it took some major effort to get him to leave the house, actually. Uh, well, Brian is ready with a greeting and a, uh, you know, uh, some friendly little comment. <laughs> sure. Oh, Brian. Yeah. But the rest of the friends are very encouraging. They're telling him like, oh, this is old news. You'll be back on your feet in no time. And um, Emmett tells Ted that he has decided to get a second job so that he won't have to worry about the the mortgage. And that's such a great partner move. Mm-hmm. And it was so sweet because he, he wouldn't take no for an answer. He's like, no, I'm doing this for us. And yeah. I feel like that's why their relationship worked because they were friends first. And not only were they friends, they, they were actual like caring individuals for one another. So, I mean, it just bleeds over into their uh, romantic relationship. And I just love how caring Emmett, oh, Ted would do the same thing. So yeah. they're just great together. Yeah. I'm sure for Ted, it would be very tempting to jump back into some soul sucking corporate job mm-hmm. just to pay the bills again. But Emmett won't let him do that. And that shows how much he cares about mm-hmm. him. Like I have some real life friends who went through that. They, um, relocated and one of them already had a job because he was self-employed and the other he was like no i don't want you to just go back into that old job just because like i really want you to do what makes you happy Mm -hmm. and so that's what emmett is giving ted a chance to do because he can't unfortunately he can't go back into the field he was in right so he got he's got to come up with something but emmett's giving him time trying to give him time to figure out what that what that should be that's love yeah, um, and Emmett appreciates the noble gesture of Ted trying to say, no, I, I got it, but he tells him, no, we're in this together. And you know, this is the second episode this season that talks about what is noble, and so I'm going to put a pin in that and then probably forget to revisit it at the end of this <laughs> season. So, <laughs> yeah, just pin that on my imaginary board that's got 50 other pins that I mm-hmm. forget to go back to. I see him too, but yeah. I see him. Uh, well, they get Ted pumped up and excited about this workout to get those good endorphins flowing. And when he bends over to pick up his gym bag, his back is not having it. Girl, I feel all that pain. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm not even going to laugh because that ain't even funny. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Back pain is no joke. Mm, I mean, um, Ted, I feel you, Theodore, as in the words of Brian Kenny. Theodore, I feel you. Okay. And that is the perfect setup for the return of Dr. David Cameron, folks. Yeah, he's a chiropractor. <laughs> that part, okay. <laughs> Doctor David, bring your ass home back. We just need one little readjustment yeah. and take your ass on back, okay? 
All right. So uh, we see Lindsay at work and her new job is at an art gallery. Lindsay was an art history teacher and she's a painter. So this is a perfect job for her. And um, she's there with a potential buyer. And she tells him this legend about a relatively unknown female painter who was likely unfairly critiqued and uh, pigeonholed because she was a woman. Mm-hmm. And I like that this story and little tidbits like this are included in this show because I'm all about female creators getting the respect that they're due, even years and years after they have passed. Right. Um. So it's a very small insert, but it's there. So Wilfred is the guy, and he decides to buy this painting. So he leaves to go take care of everything. Well, Sydney Bloom, the owner of the gallery, comes over, and he tells Lindsay that Wilfred has been coming there for 10 years, and he's never bought anything. So... Lindsay is doing a great job on her first yeah. day. Yeah, it's because I mean, when you have passion, I mean, it only it only shows. And all she was doing was just telling a story that she was passionate about, and he connected with it. It wasn't like she was trying to sell him; she was just making a, a basic connection with him, right. and that's what sold him mm-hmm. right there. And mm-hmm. when you try to directly go into somebody's pockets, I'm pretty sure like everyone else over the last ten years is probably directly trying to go into his pockets. Oh, let me show you this; it's so great. She gave him the backstory. She didn't yeah. mention about selling it or the price or anything like that. She just let him know the backstory of the painting. Of of the artists as well. And also, if she had been a male, she'd be way more known because her being a female, they just pushed her under the rug. Right. You know, so, I mean, that story just resonated with him. Uh, Sydney is so impressed with Lindsay that he has another impossible task for her. They have an opening coming up and he wants Lindsay to work with the party planner, who is apparently a piece of work. Yeah, definitely <laughs> a piece. That's the problem when you do a good job. <laughs> yeah. They put you on the difficult project. The difficult ones, okay. <laughs> and she tried to like worm her way out like, well, I mean, maybe I need more experience. He's like, no. Yeah, no, you got it, girl. It's you. It's you. <laughs> we, we believe in you. Maybe it's my first day. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Brian is at work and I like the way that he interacts with his staff here and um, you can tell that they respect him. They get his humor but they also know that he's about business when he's about business. Murph, who I'm going to say is a member of the art department, tells him that things will be speeding up soon because they've hired a new student intern. Well, Murph introduces Brian to said intern, and uh, it is Justin Taylor. Girl, my <laughs> mouth hit the damn floor, okay? Yeah. I couldn't even pick it up. You know I know, saying? that look on Brian's face. It looked oh. just like his. That's what my look was. <laughs> yeah. And Justin was there there with that little gleam in his eye like, hey. Yeah. Oh, hello, Mr. Kenny. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Kenny. How are you? Okay. Uh-huh. With a little smile. That little smirk was everything. I mean, just mm-hmm. melted me. Yeah. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Like, Justin has to roll up on Brian before Brian's had the chance to put that mask on. Mm-hmm. Like Daphne said, he's got to be popping up everywhere. Like, I'm everywhere you was at. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You going to see me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, nice to meet you, Mr. Kenny. <laughs> and you you just know Brian is like, what are you up to? Exactly. Yeah. So Justin has been called into the boss's office, and I'm sure Brian's like, oh, heck no, this ain't happening. You know, Here's Justin showing up with that beautiful blonde hair that Brian's fingers have been missing and is longer <laughs> and more is longer and more luxurious yes. than it's ever been. And, uh, yeah, they have definitely got to have a little talk and get some things straight. Mm-hmm. Justin says that he was going to tell Brian about the internship. I'm like, mm-hmm, sure you were. Yeah. <laughs> and Brian says, when? And Justin says, after I got the job. Well, Brian points out that he does not have the job yet because he has not approved any of it because he has some questions first, starting with WTF. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck are you doing here? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would ask. Like, what the fuck are you, wh- what are you doing? What are you doing here? He wanted to play hardball, girl. He wanted to play hardball, but I mean, Justin was just too cute. 
And he also, I mean, I wanted, if I was Brian, I would want to know, like, I would want to hear him out. That smart and sassy Justin is back. And he knows that he's in Brian's head, that he's under his skin. And there's a little smirk that he hides before telling Brian all about his degree plan requiring three credits of experience. And he wrote a letter, submitted his transcript and some of his art. And here he is. Uh, but here he's not, according to Brian, who is still not having any of this. Because <laughs> this is a single and obviously looking to mingle Justin Taylor. And that has that has Brian very shook. <laughs> Girl, he's shook. Okay, we <laughs> yeah. have never seen Brian like this. Okay. Yeah. Shooketh. He, he tells Justin to find another agency where he doesn't work. And Justin gives him that look, you know, and Brian's like, just go on. You know, there's other options. Yeah, I'm like, no, baby. Yeah. Mm-mm, this is the top of the top, baby. The cream of the crop. Yeah. I'm now, here. Yeah. Now, I want to pause here because when Brian needed a really great poster in a really short amount of time, whose door did he knock on? That part. And now you have this great artist who knows how to take what's in your head and perfectly capture it on paper. Yep. And he's on your staff. And now you're sending him away. Mm-hmm. Sounds like petty boots to me. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I'm calling you out, Brian Kenny. But he knows that that gravitational pull is way too strong for him to be in the same building with Justin Mm -hmm. day after day. And you know what? Justin Taylor knows that too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he is prepared, baby, for all of Brian's objections. He was quick with these answers. Okay, girl. Like he, he, him and Daphne practice, practice this shit. (laughs) Yeah. Because he is not worried about Brian being there. He says, um, when Brian makes a comment about that, Justin looks at him like, why even bring that up? He's like, that has nothing to do with it. He tells him it's the best agency in the area. He'll make great contacts. It'll look good on his resume. He has all these like legitimate, factual reasons mm-hmm. for being there. And Brian can't argue with any of that because... That- Brian's trying to make it personal. Yeah. And Justin's keeping him the professional, although he, although he knows what the hell he's doing. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. He is the new and improved. I kept screaming this out during the scene. He's the new, improved Brian. He knows how to play the game better. Like, I mean, yeah. he learned and then topped it. Yeah. Facts and figures have generally spoken louder than feelings to Brian. And so everything Justin says makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. He cannot dispute any of it. But Brian is sitting there, poor guy, pinching the bridge of his nose like, dear Lord, make this stop. <laughs> and he's practically begging Justin to go someplace else. But Justin's not going to be deterred. Mm-mm. And he says that he was accepted solely on his merit, which I had want. Had nothing to do with you. Right. Had nothing to do with Brian. But also, I want to highlight that because because Justin is smart and yep. talented and apparently fairly well endowed. Let him tell it. Oh. <laughs> Come through. Uh, well, he tells Brian that he thought he'd be pleased. And I think Justin means because he earned this on his own. And Brian said in season two that he only celebrates accomplishments. Well, this was an accomplishment. True. There's no telling how many students applied for this one mm-hmm. internship. And Justin, on a whim, decided to apply yeah. for it. And, and was good enough to throw something together. And it was enough to land him mm-hmm. this position. So... When Justin says that he thought Brian would be pleased, Brian responds with a humorless laugh, and he's like, to see your face every day? Well, instead of Justin being hurt, offended, or discouraged, he comes with the penultimate blow. His face takes on like so much false humility and pity, and he says, I had no idea that our former relationship was still a problem for you. That girl, I died. <laughs> yeah. I live, die, and ascend to heaven for this scene. <laughs> I was like, check if this was chess, because that's what they're playing right now, some chess. Yeah. I was like, check, get up out of yeah. it with Brian. And Brian, bless him, is still trying to put up a good fight. And he's like, well, who said it was a problem? And who said we were ever in a relationship? And Justin hits him with, 
well, then I can see no reason that you would object to me completing my education. And then with that knowing little smirk that you're paying for. Yep. And mate. Okay. That was the checkmate oh, right I there. I love it so Mic much. Mic drop. I was yeah. like, this boy. Like, oh my God. Like, yeah. I was here for every moment. I was hanging on to every word, girl. I know. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah he knows that he's got Brian pinned between a rock and a hard place. Yes. Uh, because he now has to approve this internship or acknowledge that their former relationship is still a problem for him. And that he can't handle being in the same room as Justin every day and hold himself together. <laughs> and that's the truth that he won't admit, but uh, Justin suspects it anyway. Because uh, he knows Brian and he knows how to counter his moves. Plus, deep mm-hmm. down, I think Justin knows that Brian won't deny him. That if this is the best opportunity he can get, Brian's not going to deny him that. Exactly. If Brian was going to deny, deny him, he wouldn't even pay for the school. Right. You know, so... If he didn't want yeah. him to have the best opportunity. Exactly. So, yeah, he... He knows that he's not going to deny him because, I mean, he had all the right things to say. If he would have came in there like, oh, I just want to be around you or I need this because of the, right. it, it would have been a negative. But right. like you said, Justin came in there ready to work. Yeah. Like, on my own merit, yeah. I earned this. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brian knows that he's been bested and he doesn't even have anything to say here. The great Brian Kenny is speechless for, for, once. for a moment. Yeah. He admits this defeat by telling Justin not to expect any special treatment. And Justin says, well, he never has. Nope. Yeah. He doesn't want to be handled with kid gloves. He wants to earn the place that he holds. That scene is incredible. (laughs) Girl. Yeah. I just. Top notch writing. Top notch. Top notch acting. That part. mm. I could could watch that type of banter between those two. I love it. That entire episode. Okay. (laughs) I love the way it was shot. Like Justin Mm -hmm. had the winning face. And you could see Brian like. It's like he wanted to smile, like, okay, bitch, I taught you well. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, but at the same time, he's like, Am I losing it? Like, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> Great scene. Yeah. Excellent scene. Mm-hmm. Well, Lindsay is mid mad dash at the diner grabbing food to go. Her new job is keeping her very busy. Before she leaves, Ted and Emmett walk in or hobble in in Ted's case. And Debbie's just like, Oh, are you hurt? <laughs> Debbie is. Ted just glares at her. Well, Emmett offers him a Vicocet with lunch, which I'm guessing is the love child of Vicodin and, and Percocet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, Ted uh, just wants to, like, white-knuckle his way through this. He doesn't want to rely on any pain medicine. Well, Emmett decides to hide it in his ice cream like he did with his dog, Fetch. Uh, Lindsay comes over to tell them that she needs to leave, and she tells him that she has a party to plan and about how things are going at her new job. Well, em- that has Emmett springing up out of his seat, and he asks her if there's anything he can do at the party to earn an extra few dollars. And Lindsay says that she'll see what she can do. And these are more of the gestures that make Emmett such a fan favorite. Like, he's doing all of this because of how much he loves Ted and wants to take some pressure off of him and just wants to be there to support him. And this is now the second friend that he's asked for a favor in order to help Ted. Brian, mm-hmm. the last episode, and then Lindsay here. Uh, he does make a comment when he goes to talk to her and he says, never ask a friend for a favor because that's manipulative. Do you you agree with that? I do agree with that. Yeah, because it's sure. hard to say no to your friends. Mm-hmm. It's like it puts you in a difficult position, especially when it's professional. You know, like when you're asking me for a job, they always say don't work with friends because, I mean, that really, really can destroy a friendship. Ooh, so, personal experience. Yeah, girl, you know me. Ooh, you know mine. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. And like you said, it's rude, it's inconsiderate, and it's manipulative, you know. So, yeah. I agree. But at this time, he's in desperate matters. Right. And the other, like, 
the, your friends understand what you're going mm-hmm. through. And so a lot of times if a friend has the ability to help you with something, they want to, exactly. they want to do it. Yeah. But in this scene, like, you know, when she said that she'll see what she can do, it made me feel the love all over again. Like, they really are a family, including Brian. Brian, Brian may be that hard ass, but he's going to always be there for his friends. And they're more of a family unit. And it goes back to show you again, blood only connects you as relatives. You know what I'm saying? Family can be anybody. You make it. Yeah. And um, to see her, she just started a job. She's brand new. Right. She's brand new. And out there trying to put her neck out there for somebody. It's just like, damn, I love this family. You know? Yeah. I, they are dysfunctional. Which dysfunctional. all the best families are. Mm-hmm. But I do love them, how they pull together. They for, pull together. For each other. Even though sometimes they are way too deep in each other's business. <laughs> that part, girl. They don't, they don't have any type of boundaries. No. I think about Emmett and Ted's relationship. And I know that not all fans approve of their relationship. But I think his relationship with George really helped prepare the way for this. Because... Because George opened his eyes a bit. Prince Charming doesn't have to look like his fairy tale counterpart. And mm-hmm. I think that made Emmett more receptive to love and possibilities from an unexpected source. And so he his heart was a little bit more open to receiving something from Ted that we none of us would have expected. Right. You know, some people still have a hard time kind of wrapping their head around. But I think it made sense for his character to move to after George, then move into this relationship with Ted. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I definitely agree. And I, I'm just now becoming aware that a lot of fans don't like, they don't like that relationship. I, mean, I remember you asking me when it first started happening and I was like, it kind of makes me nervous. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I don't, now that I see it happening, I'm all here for it. I think they're great for each other. What do you think? Let me ask you. Yeah. You know, on my first watch, it was very awkward for me, mm-hmm. but now like I, I totally get it. And so that's how I link them because I never would have connected them. But seeing this, him go from, from George and what he learned with George to now being with uh to now being with Ted, like I can totally see, I can follow that path how right. he got there. Plus, their friendship has already laid a solid foundation for them. That part, you know, one of care and respect and love, and so I understand it. Mm-hmm. Well, then Justin takes us back to Babylon and Operation I'm Everywhere You At continues. <laughs> <laughs> Justin walks up to the bar where Brian is downing a drink, and our 19 year old Justin orders a vodka tonic. You know, at this point. I don't even care no more. Yeah, Babylon is just begging to be raided. That part, okay. (laughs) But what got me in this scene is, girl, did you see the shock on his face? Like, Brian? Brian? Yeah, yeah. I was like, give this boy an Emmy. Yeah, he just happens to look over and notice Brian's there. Like, oh, oh, Brian. You're here? Yeah, fancy meeting you here. Can I buy you a drink? Yeah, Brian says, the ubiquitous Justin Taylor. (laughs) Uh, Because he is everywhere. He hasn't seen Justin outside of the diner in weeks you know in uh probably months you know he hasn't just like randomly run into him at places and all in one week or hell probably a few days right he's you everywhere. popped up everywhere so. <laughs> yeah uh brian asks, where's his boyfriend and i'm sure brian has suspected that ethan and justin are not together and i'm thinking he's just fishing for confirmation of that but also he is not going to pass on an opportunity to do petty yeah girl <laughs> so, you know he's about to throw some digs he's yeah. gonna uppercut everything well justin says i don't do boyfriends and brian says since when so since we broke up well brian or petty labelle asks, <laughs> yeah what happened to the love that was gonna last for an eternity and justin says eternities aren't as long as they used to be They're so lame. yeah and you know brian is loving this because justin just bested him in his own office at his mm-hmm. own company where he's a partner and uh yeah well justin offers to buy him a drink and brian just kind of shrugs well the music changes to a song that justin loves and he tells brian that he hasn't danced in forever 
And true, a part of him is trying to get Brian to drag him out to the dance floor, but another part of him just really wants to, to dance. Yeah. And I think what I see in that is Justin's coming back to himself. Like, this episode is showing us that in many different ways. He He's coming back to himself. And so, yes, he misses doing this with Brian, but he also just misses doing doing this. And it also kind of shows, like, the freedom what he had with Brian. Although it wasn't the relationship that he wanted, but Brian never told him he couldn't go out and be young. You know, Brian never told him he couldn't go do, do this and that. He clearly had to be live this life that right. wasn't right for him when he was with Ethan. You know, like you said, coming back into his own. I mean, why haven't you been dancing? That's right. what you love to do. Yeah, you know? you know, there are so many parts of Justin that were suppressed when he was with Ethan. He he loves dancing. Well, there was no outlet for that in Mm-mm. that relationship. So, yeah, it's good to see him coming back to himself. I think it's good for Brian to see that too. Hell, he didn't even have any friends when he was with Ethan. Right? You know, no. so I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, of course, Justin is also subtly asking Brian to dance with him, but Brian is not taking the bait. Uh, he tells him, well, go, you know, go knock yourself out. And then Justin says, well, no rush. I've got all night. And, you know, the double speak between the two of them in this episode is everything to me. Now, I know double speak has another application and meaning, but I'm going to hijack it because, like, they're talking about two things every time they're talking. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like he's saying, oh, it's no problem. I can, you know, I've got all night. I'm not in any rush. And it seems like it's talking about the dancing, but of course we know he's talking about something different. Mm-hmm. And like, I just love that double speak between them right. this whole episode. Uh, well, Brian reminds Justin, well, you don't have all night because you gotta, you have to be at work in the morning and you have a boss that you need to impress. And before he goes, he thanks Justin for, for the drink. This night didn't turn out quite how Justin planned, but I think he can rally and recover. Yeah, no, no. I was like, I, you know, I was speaking to the TV. <laughs> and I was like, baby, you know what I'm saying? It's okay, baby. A little, little setback. Just show the love. You're going to get back on that horse, baby. We're going to ride. We're going to get our man. Okay? We're going to ride. Yeah. Tonight. It seems like Brian is playing hard to get. He what are is. You, what are your thoughts on oh, that? Oh, he's playing hard to get. And also, Brian is smart. Okay? Like, he peeps what Justin is doing already. Oh, yeah. He, he's he letting knows. Justin run his little guy. I mean, for one, there's nothing a little 19-year-old could do to a 30-year-old that 30-year-old didn't already see coming. And especially a Brian Kenny type 30-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Like, this boy is... He's good. Okay. Like he, he's good. So, I mean, he's, he's enjoying this. He's got the upper hand or it seems like he has the upper hand, but I feel like Justin is right where he needs to be and he got him just where he wants him. So yeah, Brian's playing hard to get, but he likes to be courted. You have to stroke his ego. Right. Yeah. He hadn't been chased by Justin like this since and, season one. Yeah. Since season yeah. one. So it feels good to him. Like, okay, I kind of like this cat and, ma- this cat and mouse game. Yeah. Well, I think you also have to remember that Brian let Justin in deeper than he has ever let anyone in. Mm -hmm. And Justin cut him pretty deep. And we saw that it took him a very long time to recover. I'm talking lots of drugs, drinking, meaningless sex, a custom order hustler. That took me out, though, the custom order hustler. But also a vintage Corvette. Like, he has invested a lot to try to move on. You know, all this self-medicating he did. And he was in shambles for most of this season so far. I'm not surprised that he's holding back. Plus, this is Brian, I don't do boyfriends, Kenny. And so he's got to work on rebuilding that image. And it's been a little under a month since Justin broke up with Ethan, I'm guessing. And Brian doesn't want to be the rebound. Do you think that's what Justin's doing? Do you think he's rebounding? Um, no. That's what it it appears to be, because clearly he was with a whole man, you know, and now they're not together and he's coming back to Justin. I mean, back to Brian. But no, I wouldn't call them rebound because... Brian knew from the start that it wasn't going to work. Brian knew it, although he didn't tell him. He wanted Justin to go out and see it, see if the grass was green on the side. He wanted Justin to go out and experience some life. But at the same time, he's going to make him work for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you left this filet mignon 
for that little chicken dinner. Okay, right. like that's what you did. So, baby, you have to work hard to get back over here. So, I don't think that you know he thinks that he's the rebound because he knows, baby, he can never be the rebound. He's the alley oop. Okay, but <laughs> the slam dunk. Yeah, it, the slam dunk, the alley oop, the three point. You know what I'm saying? Like the buzzer shot. He all of that. Okay, so I don't think that he feels that like he's the rebound. He's gonna make Justin shake in his boots too. He hurt for those couple months that right. Oscar was with him. Right. We saw him go through all that hurt and that pain. You know, and he wasn't able to tell really anybody except for fucking Michael, who was annoying. Nah, you know, he, he told Lindsay some of yeah, it, but yeah, bits and pieces. But I think he just want to make him shake a little bit, make him work a little harder. You know? Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I don't think he's rebounding. Um, I think like he's not trying to go back because he has nowhere else to go. Like. He's living with Daphne, and he pretty much told her that he didn't think Brian would take him back. So, so there's that. But you know that saying, "You don't know what you've got till it's gone." Yeah, like, I think that's where Justin is. Yep. And he thought that he was missing something, and that he had found it with Ethan. But now he sees what all he walked away from, and it wasn't perfect, but it was real and deep, and he wants that back. So, plus we saw Brian literally leave the door open some episodes back. Mm-hmm. So I think to some extent. Brian expected that there, or at least part of him hoped that hoped. there was going to be mm-hmm. a path back. And so I don't think this is rebounding. I think this is just kind of returning to mm-hmm. ground zero. They're back this, at the base. This, yeah, this is this is returning to home, yep. kind of. All right. So Michael is telling Ben about the latest villain in the um in the Rage comic. They're at their apartment. They're getting ready to leave. And the the newest villain is Ice Tina, and her glare freezes Rage and his heart until JT comes along and thaws him out with the um. Well, I don't have a euphemism for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, the hottest blowjob ever. Yeah. But do you think Ice Tina is a play on words? Because you know Tina and Ice, like in the drug world, and this episode has to do with like you know hustlers and drugs and shit like that. Like I mean, it could be. I was thinking it was Melanie, but mm. well, maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But, you know, I was actually thinking more of the, the drug thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Anyway, well, you just know Justin pitched that story um, <laughs> because uh, that's essentially what happened in season one. JT thawed Rage's icebox of a heart and uh, perhaps he'll get a chance to do it again. I think so. Well, Ben isn't hearing Michael. Uh, because And those aren't AirPods in his ears. Those are earplugs. Um, and so he's been sleeping in those to block out all of the street noise. Well, uh, so the two of them are headed out to the bus stop and they find one of the hustlers asleep there in the stairwell. And it's the kid with the condoms optional policy. Oh, so sad. Yeah. Well, Michael, in true Michael fashion, shoes him away. Um, He tells him in no uncertain terms to go away. And before that, like Ben is trying, they're trying to wake him up and see if he's alive, see if he's okay. Michael is literally kicking the boy. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like Ben just bends down to shake him and Michael is literally kicking him. Um, I didn't like this scene with Michael. No. I, I don't like the, yeah, Michael. I didn't like the coldness of him. He was, you know, not sympathetic at all um, to a child. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's not yeah. a child, but I mean, it's a young adult. Okay. Yeah, this like, is a young I get, man. I get the frustration. I get the annoyance, but it's just. I don't even get that. Like, my thing is clearly this boy is crying out for help. Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, he is crying just... out for help. You see, I mean, you think that a young person would be in the freezing cold trying to sell their body if they had no other choice. Right. Sleeping in the hallway mm-hmm. you know, if they didn't have any other choice. And this is how you're going to treat them? That's what the difference of how Ben approached them to how Michael approached them. Right. I was just like, Michael, bro, I, I, hopefully my, by season five, bro, mm-hmm. you didn't warm my heart back because I, this process has just messed me all up because <laughs> I came into... Go back to season one, y'all. 
Oh, first episode, I talk about how I connect with Michael, all this and that. And now I see all these damn episodes and I'm like, who is this man? Yeah. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, he is um, uh, not uh, not my favorite in this episode. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, Ben is much more compassionate. And he asks the kid, when's the last time he's eaten? And so they take him to Debbie in the diner and she's making conversation and she asks him about his mom. And she's like, I bet your mom misses you. because Debbie's probably assuming he's a runaway. Like, mm-hmm. something went on at home and he ran away. And she's like, well, maybe they're looking for him and they want him to come back. Because that's true, too. Right, true. That happens sometimes. Uh, she tells him a story about when Michael ran away at age 10. And um, they ask this kid about his dad. And he says that his that his dad is dead and his mom's in jail for killing him. Rough. Um, yeah. Well, they suggest he look into foster placement. Saying it has to be better than the streets. Well, it depends on the foster home. Yeah. I mean, you never know what's happening to these kids. A lot of kids get put in these places. They're still bullied and picked on and beaten, especially with him being gay. Uh, and actually, we don't even know if he's really gay. If he's actually just doing this right. to sell himself that for a place to live or a little bit of change to eat or whatever the case. But And then a lot of, a lot of times, these foster parents are having sex with these kids and right. trafficking them out to their friends and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... It's not safe anywhere you go. Right. You know, I can't even go down that road because it makes me think about a book series I read and I will bawl my eyes out for nine hours straight <laughs> if I think about that. So right. I can't go there right now. I mean, God. Uh, well, the kid says, at least my clients pay to take advantage of me talking about versus foster home. Right. That exactly. Is such a sad, sad truth. Oh, my gosh. Well, he actually uses the F word and Michael corrects his language saying that's my mom you're talking to. Well, now. Michael rains F-bombs on Debbie like glitter at Babylon. Said it way worse things. Yeah, but uh, yeah, now he wants to correct this kid. That's why mom and friend Michael, when do you respect anyone? <laughs> For real. <laughs> okay, you were just kicking this boy. Get out of here. Yeah, well, they, they suggest the GLC Youth Center, and Debbie says they have a back-to-school program. Well, we see this kid slide a butter knife off the table into his pocket, and I don't think he's overly concerned about getting back to school. And so he just leaves without a thank you, which, yes, rude, but I doubt he has many people acknowledge him without wanting something from him or to preach at him or yell at him about Mm -hmm. his lifestyle. So, you know, when you're not used to kindness, you don't really trust it and you don't know how to respond to it. Right. I mean, he doesn't know if it's genuine. I'm pretty sure there's been a ton of people that said nice things and then took straight advantage of him. Right. You know, so he doesn't know how to take that. He does not know you guys. Right. For all he knows, you're a sex ring. Right. The only person he can trust is himself. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I get it. Then we see uh, Justin over at Vanguard. He is chilling with a copy of The New Yorker there in the art department. When Brian walks in, he's like, hi, Brian. And Brian says, it's Mr. Kenny. And um, I think that's at least two things. Justin came into Brian's territory and rattled him. So I think this is Brian trying to take his place back. But Mm -hmm. also, I think part of Brian needs that distance and that reminder that Justin is here as an intern. Nothing more. And um, also, they probably don't want to appear too casual in front of the coworkers. I mean, we also know that Brian separates personal from work always anyway. Right. So, I mean, yeah, the rest of people call him Mr. Kenny. Yeah. That's what you can Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that Justin does call him Mr. Kenny in front of everybody else because Justin understands that and he's respectful that but way. But this is just the two of them. Right. Yeah, so it was Brian being so petty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He was definitely, uh, yeah. 
Well, Brian asks where all the people are, and Justin says they're at lunch, and uh, Brian is there kind of nosing around in their business because a very important client, Iconic Optics, is coming, and the boards are not are not great. Uh, well, Justin asks him if he can help, and I think at first Brian wants to roll his eyes, but Justin is there as an intern, and he's supposed to help where he can. Mm-hmm. So Brian starts rattling off some instructions, and Justin keeps flipping through his magazine. Well, Brian, assuming Justin isn't listening or keeping up, asks if he want to write it down. And Justin recites it back. Verbatim. Yeah. Word for word. Perfectly. Yeah. (laughs) I think that shows Brian that regardless of everything else, Justin is taking the internship seriously. Mm -hmm. So then I think that kind of calms him down a bit. And so he asks Justin, well, how's it going, Taylor? And uh, from Brian, it's actually pretty pleasant. It's a sincere question. And again. He was impressed. Yeah. um, He does ask it at arm's length again by calling him Taylor instead of Justin. But still, I think it's a genuine question. And Justin says, it's good. Everyone is nice. And he's already learned a lot. And Brian says, that's great. And it's almost like he's like testing Justin or teasing him. And Justin says the culture, he talks about the culture of the office and the overall experience he's having. And he says, that, well, that says a lot about you. And uh, I think Brian is just waiting for some line or some groveling or some kind of sickening flattery. <laughs> um, right. But he was just honest. Yeah. You know, although it was a little flirt in it as well, you know, and a little groveling at the same time, it, all in that sentence, all that was wrapped up in one. Yeah. I mean, I think he packaged it very well and that yeah. just softened, softened um, Brian. Oh, for sure. Because I think what Justin delivers is so much better than that. He says that, um, you know, they say this, the tone of a workplace is established from the top. There it is. And he says that is, um, you know, that's such a great compliment to you that you have such a dedicated and hardworking staff. So he strokes his ego as a leader, as a as a boss and, and all of that. Well, Justin knows how important Brian's career is to him mm-hmm. and he knows that his success is a great source of pride for him. Right. I mean, Brian's like 30 or 31 when he made partner. And that's very impressive. Very impressive. Mm -hmm. He's so young. Yeah. And so it's not just all of his sultry catchphrases and his quickies in the bathroom with potential clients that have gotten (laughs) him here. Like he's really smart and driven and really good at what he does. And Justin sees that. Uh, But this specific compliment says something more than just Brian's a great ad exec. Like Justin is complimenting him on how great of a leader he is. And it kind of goes back to what we said about Emmett in the last episode. Like, he's talking about something beyond the surface. Mm-hmm. And Brian doesn't run his office like a tyrant. Mm-hmm. Um, if the people Justin's working with don't dump all the crap assignments on the intern and they treat the intern with respect, that means that they're used to being treated with, with respect by their boss. Absolutely. Uh, are you surprised that Brian's a good boss? No, I'm not surprised Brian's a good boss. I mean, I feel like Brian is a hard worker. He may be strict. But I think people understand. For one, they deal with million dollars account, million dollar a million dollar accounts. So I think you have to have some type of level of strictness as well. But no, like Brian is still young. He's still fun. He understands, you know, he understands his people. And you got to have great people to want to work for him. Look at his assistant. Look how she just runs through and jump right. over hoops for him. You know, so no, I don't. I, I never thought for once was Brian a bad boss. Yeah, well, because Brian's not a bad person, and he has a lot of respect for people for people who work hard. He came from humble beginnings, and I think even though he's far removed from that now, at least financially, he isn't the kind of person to forget where he comes from. And so I think this is a very sincere but also very smart move by Justin. It's a subtle reminder that he sees Brian, Mm -hmm. that he knows him inside the walls of Vanguard. It's business Brian. And Mm -hmm. his friends know the spoils that business Brian wins through his work, but they don't know how much they don't know much about his work ethic and the dedication that it takes. And so Justin's getting like an insider's view on all of that. 
And so really, he's kind of the only one who, from their group, who gets to see Brian in this element. Um, And he has a lot of real respect for him mm-hmm. in that. Yes, the objective is to win back his man, but he's going to keep it 100 with him about his job because Brian's very serious about that. So, yeah, I think Brian definitely respects what Justin thinks about him, his opinions about him, and because Justin does see him. He sees him as a man who is talented and considerate of others in his in his own way. Uh, he's successful because he's earned it. So, yeah, it's an ego boost, but not a vain one that Brian has heard and shrugged off a million times. Um but he's definitely leaning in closer by the end of this scene. Yeah. Yeah, because old JT Sunshine is out here thawing hearts. <laughs> he, he surely is, okay. But I love how, you know, he knows how to read the room, you know? Yeah. He knows how to, you know, he knows exactly what to say. He knows when to lean in, get closer. He's, he knows not to get too close because he's still got to try to keep it professional without letting him know, I'm only here for you. Although Brian knows he's here for him, you know? Right, but he wants him to take this seriously. Yeah, but he wants here. to take this seriously. So... I love what Justin's doing right now. I mean, his game plan is on point. Yeah, Brian is definitely taken aback by what Justin says. He clearly wasn't expecting that. And instead of taking advantage of this opportunity alone with him in a room to blatantly go after him, he's very subtle about it. He's been subtle this whole, like he, yes, he's putting himself right in Brian's line of sight, but he's still subtle in what he's, Mm -hmm. very calculated in what he's doing. And he's making Brian fall into the words he's saying mm-hmm. and into the way that Justin sees him. And that's something Brian's been intrigued by since at least 106 when he saw the way Justin drew him. He's always been interested in the way that Justin perceives him. Right. And he says to Justin, well, maybe I was too hard on you. He can see that Justin is here for him, but also here to work, which he tells Justin to get back to. And Justin's response is, yes, Mr. Kenny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but he says it in a way that he knows will crawl its way into Brian and make a nice little home there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just barely make out Brian's facial reaction to that. But I think uh, that old Mr. Kenny is doing something for him. Uh-huh. <laughs> Every time he said to do something for me, too. Thank you. <laughs> I love the camera work and angles in this episode. Like, even in this scene, Justin starts out sitting back with his feet kicked up and we get this, like, kind of wide shot of them. And then when he starts complimenting Brian with genuine appreciation for him as a boss and an ad exec, Justin leans in while also the camera starts zooming in mm-hmm. as well. And then we see Brian leaning in. And so Brian's been trying to maintain all this distance, but even the camera is bringing them yeah. closer and closer uh-huh, <laughs> together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Over at the gallery, Lindsay is dealing with the party planner, uh, Florinda, and they do not have the same vision for this opening. Florinda asks what happened to the nice girl who was there before Lindsay. And uh, the nice girl was 65. <laughs> and uh, and she retired. Well, Florinda goes full Karen on her and asks to speak to the manager, basically. She wants to talk to Sydney. Well, Lindsay stops her and says that uh, Sydney left her in charge. Okay, for people who may not know, a Karen is a woman who is obnoxious, entitled, and not very considerate of other people. So... Mm-mm. No offense to the people named Karen out there. You can be named Karen without actually being a Karen. That part. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Florinda says she has been doing these events for 15 years. And um, Lindsay tells her, well, maybe it's time to do something unique and fresh and different. And Florinda calls her an office girl, tells uh, her she should be answering phones and taking messages. I was like, excuse you? Yeah. She mocks Lindsay. She disrespects her, insults her. Yeah, so. Girl, mm-mm. I would have read her for filth, okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, Lindsay basically does. She fires her. I was like, go. Oh, my God. 
Did she? I mean, for one, when she started pushing back, well, maybe it's time to do things differently, mm-hmm. and maybe you should do this. You know yeah. what? You know, I can do one better. You're fired. I was like, oh, you coke. Yeah, I was very impressed with her for doing this on her first day, like her first, first week, week, you know, or first mm-hmm. couple of days or whatever. She stood up to the bully. Yeah, okay. but it's like, hey, you got to start as you mean to go on. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, if you know you're not going to be able to do every single opening with this person, you got to go ahead and nip it in the bud. That quick. Well, so Brian and Gardner are giving a presentation for Iconic Optics, and Justin is there assisting with the boards. He's fumbling a little bit. He drops a few of them, and the bosses are not very happy about that. Well, the client is looking at the board, and she asks Justin if he'd buy a pair of those sunglasses if he saw the ad. He's like, oh, 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 yeah, sure, sure. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't seem reassuring. Yeah, well, she has a few reservations about the look of the poster, the look of the ad. And while she's discussing that with Gardner and Brian, Justin blurts out orange. When he's asked to expound on that, he says everyone at art school says orange is the new blue. It's the opposite of a cool tones. It's something hot. And when Justin first says orange and she asks him what he said, like it's clear that he was really studying this with a critical eye because he has to snap out of that like artist daze mm-hmm. when she calls out to him. So. His intention wasn't to butt in. He was just kind of... Kind of like taking into the yeah, work. Yeah, really analyzing mm-hmm. it and saying, hey, this would look really, really good there. Well, Brian is looking over at Justin. I'm pretty sure he did not ask him to contribute during Mm-mm. this meeting. If, if those eyes, if those looks could kill. Yeah, well, the client says that they better be careful or this kid will have their job. And that's when it's a little bit more clear that Brian might not be happy with uh, with Justin. Mm-hmm. But Justin did save this pitch for them. Because, yeah, I mean, it was going downhill. Because Brian was doing his normal Brian stuff, letting him know, well, it's great. Oh, no, no. Well, you'll be ahead of the curve. You won't be riding the wave. You'll be ahead of the wave. And she wasn't here for it, you know? So, like you said, Justin kind of, like, saved the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's what happened. So, then we see Ben and Michael out walking. And uh, they see the kid from earlier getting jumped. And Michael wants to stay out of it. He's trying to get Ben to stay out of it. But Ben steps in to help him. and. Uh, when he goes over to the kid and turns around to make sure he's okay, the kid says, well, who died and made you Superman? And to me, that kind of made me think Michael fantasizes about this superhero. And he even likes that about Ben, that he's got this kind of superhero thing going on. But when Ben is literally rescuing someone, Michael's upset about it. <laughs> like, it's not our business. Like, what are yeah, you? Yeah, like, it this just... is not the caliber of person you should be saving. No, yeah, it was... It's... It's almost, it was very sickening mm-hmm. to watch Michael like this again. Like, this is, a crime is happening right outside of your house. Right. I mean, uh, it was just, it was like an eye-opening moment for, for me and looking at Michael. And it's not even just that. Like, I can understand him not wanting Ben to put himself in danger. Risk, I, get it's just, I get that. But it's just like, his whole attitude, this whole time, is like, Michael, you've grown up in this area. You know that this is something that goes on yep. here. You know that most people... This age doing this or not doing it by choice and just that he's so callous and just Mm -hmm. so nasty about Mm -hmm. it all. That is what really just irks me. Anywho, we'll 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 deal with Michael some more later, maybe. Um, well, we see Lindsay and she's home telling Melanie about how things went at work and she's feeling very proud of herself on the one hand, but on the other hand, she's in the in a bind because she needs a party planner. She can't go to Sydney and be like, hey, I fired her. Well, if she told Sydney that she fired her, and Sydney was very proud of her for that. But now Lindsay's got to solve this whole party planning problem. And Melanie tells the story about two women who were getting married and they planned this beautiful wedding, but then everything went wrong. But uh, then they had some friends who came together and made it an incredible and very special day. 
Uh, so that gives her some ideas of who might be able to help her that part. in this bind. So next we see Emmett coming home and he finds Ted laid out on the floor. And he's got his music on and a drink in one hand. And and he also took his pain pills, yeah. his, his Vicocet. Um, but for the moment, he says that he's out of pain, which is good news to Emmett's ears. Right. And yeah, Ted is waiting for some more good news from Phil and Stein, not Field and Stream. Um, that's an accounting firm, which I really don't want him to get that call because I know that's I not just, that's not his passion, right? I don't want him going back into that. Uh, well, the phone does ring, but it is Lindsay, and she um wants to take Emmett up on his offer to help with the party, and so he's expecting to pour the wine or park the cars, but the reaction that he, we get from him is way too expressive for that. And so Ted has accidentally mixed his pills and potions, but he <laughs> hears Emmett say that he will be planning the whole thing. So she's reached out to Emmett to help with this. It goes back to, like, I mean, this is a true family. She's yeah. saving the day. Yep. She knows what his what his talents are, and she knows that this is something that he will, he will work really hard to make this great for her. Mm-hmm. So she trusts him with it. Yeah. I do like how they shot that scene with Emmett and Lindsay on the phone. Yeah, um, it was nice. Yeah. And I, I love the excitement, you know? And uh-huh. I love that it could be Emmett getting good news, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because here lately, Emmett never... I mean... We had George die, okay? We had him get the money, didn't get the money taken away from mm-hmm. him, you know? Um, he got a house, but then that clearly they had to move right. about the house. You know, it's like, damn, when when, when can Emmett win, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So it was like happy to see him have a, a winning moment. Small victories. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Back at Vanguard, Brian and Justin are in this little art room space, and Brian is there confronting Justin on the whole orange is the new blue thing. Uh, Justin says, well, she asked, and he doesn't really see why it's a big deal. He was just trying to be helpful, but Brian saw it as him undercutting him in front of the client. And he says, your job was to put up boards, which you could barely do. And Justin says, well, I'm sorry, it won't happen again. And Brian assures him that it won't because he says, you're through. Um, Mm. And Justin is kind of like, looks at him incredulously like, are you firing me? Like, really? Uh, And Brian says, well, yep, you mess up once, you're gone. And now it's like, what are we really talking about here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think Brian needed to find kind of a loose corner to pry up. To just, just get to, him out of here. To jump into this mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. Uh, this whole episode, they're not talking about what they're actually talking about. Or they're talking about something other than what they're talking about. I don't really know how to say it. Right. But know what I'm getting at. <laughs> um, uh, or right about here is where I think the scene dips into them talking about something else. Like right when Brian. It's right about here where I was like, I was like all ears and ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, right when Brian puts those shades on, a shield, if you will, and mm-hmm. I will, uh, when Brian says it won't happen again, he's not just talking about Justin having an opportunity to mess up or make him look bad at work. And it takes Justin just like a few seconds to catch up to what's happening. Like, oh, we've shifted. We're talking about something different now. But Justin's still a little bit thrown because they did get the account. And like we said earlier, his suggestion did help sway this client. But... um. I think there was something about feeling exposed and vulnerable and caught off guard and not in control that happened in that meeting. And that stirred up some similar feelings for Brian. Mm -hmm. And it was like, "Mm -mm, I'm not going back there. And even and again, Justin Taylor was the cause of it. Because we have never seen Brian hurt. So, I mean, he's always so protected and guarded. And like you said, Justin Taylor is at the root of it again. So not again. Yeah, that hit way too close to home. And Justin initially tries to appeal to Brian, but he corrects himself. Because if Brian's making this about quote unquote work, well, then Justin's going to pretend 
it's the same thing. And so he says, Mr. Kenny. And I don't think the whole Mr. Kenny thing is about a a power dynamic in this context. I think it's just the knowing Brian won't talk about this head on. Mm -hmm. So he's keeping that whole employee-employer charade for Brian's benefit. And I also think he knows that if he doesn't, Brian will probably shut down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Justin tells Mr. Kenny that he would appreciate it if he would give him another chance. And Brian very quickly says, I never should have given you the first one. Now, this whole scene, we see Brian and he's like trying on shades and taking them off and just really doubling down on that unfazed, unbothered, Mm -hmm. I don't really care about you anymore vibe. But I also think it's him like hiding and revealing his true feelings in some way. Absolutely, because he only wears them when he says things that he don't want just to see his Uh, eyes, uh the windows to the soul. Yep. Uh, It reminds me of 220 in that last scene in Babylon when he comes out of the back room and he sees Justin with Ethan and he takes off his mask Mm -hmm. uh, for Justin to to really see him. And here he's doing the opposite of that in a way. He's saying all this stuff like, I want you to leave. I should have never let you stay here the first time. All of that. And while some of those feelings may be true, they're not the whole truth. And he's burying all of this talk, all of this in talk about work and the internship. But he's also trying to mask those parts of him that very much miss Justin Uh (laughs) and uh, want to see his face every day. And so it's interesting to watch the scene, like you said, and see what he's saying when he has those on versus uh-huh. what he's saying when he has them off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Justin says, I guess I should have expected this. You never wanted me here. You didn't want to have to see my face every day when you came to work. Although part of me was hoping you wouldn't mind it. It's that double talk shit again. Yeah. Okay. It's uh-huh. that double talk shit. But then he was, he getting real. Go girl. He getting yeah. real. It's and the then part. he says, I guess I was wrong to think. And then he says, well, never mind. Forget it. And as much as Brian doesn't want to have this conversation, he does. He wants to want have, to this, have conversation. this conversation. It's yeah. much needed for one. Oh yeah, well, it's overdue. If he just wanted to fire Justin and have that be that, he could have said, just, "You're fired," yeah. and left the room. Yep, or "You're fired of security." Yeah, you know yeah, he had the perfect out. But here's Justin saying, "Okay, I tried it; it didn't work out." But Brian doesn't just let him pack up and go home. And Brian says, "What you thought when your little romance with Paganini Junior was over, you could come running back?" And Justin says, "Well, yeah, something like that." (laughs) He's like, "But I know it's stupid." And Brian says, "Almost as stupid as falling for his BS in the first place." Here we go. Yeah, but you're young and inexperienced. And Justin's like, "This is where like the gloves come off." Girl, he unleashed the fury on it—the flurry of like of jabs (laughs) and and blows, like. I was so proud in this moment. I'm going to let you get back to it, girl, because I know you wrote every word, so make sure you hit every word right. But um, I was so proud in this moment. Like, I mean, he just poured his little heart out, but he did it with such strength. He did it with such confidence, also with such pain when he said it. Go ahead, girl. Lead us on up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Justin says, what? And you're so smart? Uh, like, basically, like, I wasn't the only one at fault here. Yep. And he says, if you had any brains at all, you would have never let me leave. Uh, And then Brian looks and he's got Brian's attention now. And I think Brian has wanted to hear from Justin what actually made him leave. uh And so he's truly listening here. And what we're getting is that Justin legit felt like Brian didn't fight for him. Uh So I think that's why they had that that odd and slightly... um, you know, Justin almost looked like slightly exasperated when mm-hmm. he saw Brian in that scene in 301 in the bathroom mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when he wasn't expecting to see him there and he came in and it was that odd interaction with him. I think Justin's like, you had a chance to keep me and you didn't you didn't fight for me. You didn't do it. So that's that's kind of been his mindset mm-hmm. this whole time. And I think that's part of why he kept trying working to convince himself that Ethan was the better choice because he asked Brian to tell him to stay and Brian wouldn't do it. But Justin goes on. 
He says, if you would have told me that I was making the biggest mistake of my life, that I would live to regret it, that what you gave me was worth a thousand, no, a million times more than anything he had to offer. If you would have told me that you loved me, that you would go on loving me even after I was gone. This is Justin saying, here's why I ultimately left. Mm -hmm. Like, here's what you could have done differently. And these are all truths that Justin has come to realize. Brian loves him still. Justin has come to realize that what he gets from Brian in their relationship is way more than the empty gestures and false promises Ethan Mm -hmm. offered. And while this is going on, like Brian steps much closer to him at this point. And he says, is that where you were waiting to hear? Um, I, I noticed Brian's face when Justin said, if you would have told me that you loved me. And it's kind of like, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what Brian was saying. And uh, Justin says, yes, that is what I was waiting to hear. But as usual, you never said it. So I guess it's just as well that I go. And I think what we're seeing here, like, like what you were saying, Justin's not going to let Brian call all the shots anymore. No. He's made it clear that he wanted Brian back this whole episode. But he's like, but if that's not you want, not what you want, at least for now, like I'm going to drop it. And so, uh, you know, Justin makes it go and Brian stops him. Girl, I howl it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And again, there may be parts of Brian that are fighting this thing with Justin, but other perhaps stronger parts of him can't let Justin walk out. Not again. And Not for the second time. Is this the first time that he's touched Justin since the their breakup? The first time he's touched Justin the since the breakup. And the first touch is to stop him from walking out. Yep, girl. <laughs> and that, that should have been enough. That, that right there was enough for Justin. I mean, because I feel like Justin was on the brink of tears. You know, like he was... He was when he walked out of that office, girl. He was going to hit the elevator. Was going to be done. Okay, right? Yeah, like I tried. That yeah. was it. Yeah, he was going to be done. Like I mean, boohooing, bawling. Daphne was going to be picking up all the pieces tonight. <laughs> yeah. But with Brian stopping him, there was like, I mean, you know, that touch probably sent shocks through the both of them. You mm-hmm. know, like oh, yeah. Okay, we gotta keep going. Yes, girl, keep going. Okay, so Brian grabs his arm and says, "That is so like you. You don't hear what you want, so you leave. Try standing up for yourself for a change." Now, Brian has always been attracted to the Justin who stood up for him. The fighter in him. Yeah, and that's him saying, you could have made a choice to stay, but you walked out. And so do what you want to do because you want to do it. And I think what Brian is saying is that Justin could have chosen to stay and not depended on Brian to make that decision for him. Like, that's what Justin wanted. He wanted Brian to make the decision for him. Um, but what Brian is trying to get him to see is, to see is the opposite. Like, if you wanted to be there, then you could have stayed there. Well, anyway, then he tells Justin to have some um, balls. Yeah. <laughs> have some balls yeah. and stand up for yourself. Uh, Well, uh, Justin has a hefty set of those because he <laughs> grabs Brian and pulls him into a kiss. And we screamed. Screamed. And loudly. this is when damn near the, the tears came. Like, yeah. I was so happy. I'm about to get emotional now. Okay. Hold the phone. <sighs> Brian Kenny has not kissed or been kissed by another man since Justin. Justin. And this is really the only kiss that means anything to him anymore. And he has been without it for a extended we'll period say, of time. Yeah, we'll yeah. say a couple months. Yeah, for some months. And uh, so when Justin kisses him, he goes after what he wants and completely rocks Mr. Kenny's little world in the process. Yeah. Well, Brian is left very dazed and confused. He even like falls forward a bit, almost like he's like chasing after. Yeah, that, that, kiss. Li- that lingering, <laughs> yeah, lingering yeah. kiss. Yeah, he barely and briefly makes eye contact with Justin. And uh, I think Justin leaves him there kind of with the ball in his court. But in addition to being dazed and confused, I think Brian is left stunned and surprised because this is Justin, but a stronger Justin. It's almost, this is Justin 
3.0. Okay. Yeah. Cause we, we knew who he was, you know, season one, you know, he, I was like, Dan, it's a strong, mature, wise ass kid. Mm-hmm. And then season two, you know, he was regrowth. It's like the rebirth. Right. Now yeah. he's the fucking Phoenix girl. Okay. <laughs> For sure. He didn't him from the ashes. Okay. Yeah. He said what he had to say and he did what he wanted to do. And then he walked out. This and is, he did that. Yeah. This isn't naive little Justin. Time and heartbreak have done him good. He's grown. Justin has shown this side of himself to Brian a few times, but not to this extent. And I think this kiss is also reminiscent of the kiss in 219 when Brian was the one who initiated Mm -hmm. it. And this is Justin telling Brian what he wants and how he feels. And there are things that Justin can say to Brian with the kiss that he can't communicate with words or Mm -hmm. that Brian wouldn't hear in words. Brian just made a comment about Justin not hearing what he wants to hear. So he communicates to Brian in a way that he knows he will hear and understand. And that's through touch and not just a touch, a kiss. Something that is reserved exclusively for them, as in you won't get this or find this anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Justin did all of that with one gesture, and then he leaves Brian there while his head is still spinning. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, like you said earlier, this is the conversation they've been needing to have. It is tense and brutally honest, but they have needed to air this out and put it all out there. I'm glad they did. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, for real, like it was a much needed convo. Yeah. Even if they couldn't move past this, both of them have been harboring these feelings and they are finally like spewing them all over the other person. And Justin got to lay out his reasons for actually leaving Brian. Brian got to tell him how he felt about the whole thing. Brian already did a little bit of that. I think it was like 305 or 306 when Justin was in the back room after Brian convinced Ethan to sign the the contract. But And the other important thing about this is they are talking, even though this is a... uh, It was like a little (laughs) mild aggressive fight, but a little (laughs) Yeah, this is a little tiff, a little row, but, uh, but they're talking. And that's what was lacking in a large part of what led to their breakup. They weren't communicating. Mm -mm. They weren't talking. There were other ingredients in the mix, but this will be the first thing listed on the list of ingredients. And here they are communicating about what what they were thinking and what they were needing during that whole time Mm -hmm. and what they're thinking and wanting now. Justin clearly wants Brian back. Brian wants to not be hurt like that again. (laughs) You know, when Justin says, if you would have told me that you love me, I think Justin is telling Brian to his face that I did not believe that you loved me. Like, I needed to know that. I needed Mm -hmm. to hear that. Even if not in those words, I needed to hear something from you that made me believe that. Even just the word stay would have would have worked. Or when, mm-hmm. when Justin says, Will would you care if I left? If Brian said yes, like that would have sufficed. <laughs> you know? So they're being very honest with the with each other. You know, I would have liked to see how Brian has been dealing with Justin being at the office. Like, has he told Michael or Lindsay? Um, has he has he you know, has he included anybody in what's going on? Has he been drinking more, drinking yeah, more? Like, for real, because to be honest, this is the one episode where we didn't get to see them all together, the collective whole. Right. They did not do Babylon together this season, this episode. Um, They didn't do um um dinner, I mean, at the diner together. So, yeah, I wonder if he told think, them. What would you guess? Would you Do you think he's telling them I think them he anything? hasn't told them anything yet. That's what I think. Yeah, I don't think he's told them anything yet. Of course, I think somebody would have said something. Even if they haven't been in the same scene, Michael would have said something. Or Ted would have said something. Somebody would have said something. Right. Well, and also, you know how, well, Ted's got his own stuff going on now. But you know how Ted was laughing at his expense right after they broke up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, or you know, you can imagine what Michael's going to think about the whole thing. Oh, and yeah, exactly. So, I don't think that he would have gotten much, like, love and support, you know, <laughs> you know from 
from them, maybe from Lindsay, but she's got her own stuff going on right now. And Lindsay's a little iffy, which way she's going to go all the time anyway. True. But uh, so, yeah, no, I don't think he's telling anybody. No. about. I think Justin's giving Daphne the report, you know, every 30 minutes. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I don't think Brian's telling anybody about this. No, he hit her on the hip. He got an old school beeper. He <laughs> texted her 911. Baby, I got yeah. news. What's the next play? She wants it every hour yeah. on the hour. <laughs> that part, okay. Yeah. But yeah, that would have been would have been interesting to see. But I don't know. My mind also kind of just likes to draw it the way I think it would have mm-hmm. it would have looked. So back at Michael and Ben's place, Michael is trying to call the cops because those kids are outside again. And Ben is trying to talk him down, but Michael says, Well, they're not kids, they're hustlers and drug addicts and they're dangerous. What I've learned in life is not everyone who wears a mask is a monster. Mm-hmm. Some people are trying to keep the bad things away from themselves, and the best offense is a good defense. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So, one such kid is in their shower, and Ben says he couldn't leave him outside after what happened. So, this is the kid who got uh, jumped earlier, and he wanted to give him at least a hot shower and one night of rest in a warm place for him to recover. Well, Michael's worried he will steal their CD player or murder them in their sleep. And Ben doesn't really think any of that will happen. Ben seems to be a person who's very driven by a purpose and a mission. And so doing something to help out even one kid for one night is very important to him. Mm-hmm. But Michael's a lot more hesitant. And I don't know. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I'm trying with Michael. I'm not even going to give any more energy to that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just can't crap. It's draining. Yeah. Well, so the kid comes out of the shower and he is still bruised with a little bit of dried blood. And he asks, all right, who's going first? And that is already heartbreaking. And then they says, they say, well, we didn't bring you up here for that. Well, then he starts to look really nervous. And like, like, yeah, well, then what do you want? That definitely breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you just imagine that what he's all, been in that situation before. Right. And what could be worse than. Yeah. These two men wanting to take advantage of him sexually. So, mm-hmm. oh gosh, I yeah, can't even, can't go there. Michael basically says, well, We didn't want you to die outside. And the kid doesn't feel like that, doesn't feel like that would have been a very big loss to society. And he's wanting to go back to work. And Ben goes all parental on him. He's like, You're staying here alone. Like, put this on, go to bed. I like seeing this compassionate side of, uh, of Ben and seeing him take on this cause. Like, I don't know where this is going to go for him what this is going to prompt him to want to do, but I like seeing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I mean, like the protector, the parental, you know, and like you said, it goes back into that, that superhero that Michael has painted for him, you know? So yeah, I love that he's playing the savior right now. I love that. Yeah. Definitely beats what we've seen going last on. Last couple of weeks. Yes. Cause uh boy needed to redeem himself. Mm-hmm. So Lindsay is uh, coordinating everything for the opening and Emmett is there and his queens have arrived for their assignments and uh, things are not going super great (laughs) and uh, it's a little hectic. Well, Sydney Bloom, the gallery owner, is very concerned about the direction that this event is headed in and Lindsay is feeling the stress. You know, she was eager to prove herself in the world, but she tells Emmett now she'd rather be home changing Gus's diaper. Well, Emmett is thinking the same thing. He talks about how easy it would be to hole up inside the house with Ted and not go out into the the big bad world and how much safer it is to just close the door, you know, and shut everything and everyone out. And that doesn't really sound like Emmett. And I think all this stuff with Ted has been weighing on him and he's been working extra hard to be perky and encouraging and motivating for Ted's benefit, just encouraging him to get up off the couch and out into the world. And I think all that effort has drained him because that doesn't sound like a very Emmett comment. 
Like Mm-mm. I'd rather stay. I'd rather stay in the house. I I know. Like it, it doesn't. But at the same time, he's taking on that role. Yeah, you know, he's taking on that role because Ted has been doing everything. Ted ran a big company, bought the big house. He was supposed to play homemaker and and you know get the design together for the house, whatever case. The same exact thing what Lindsay was going through. You know, since having Gus, but she stayed home and like they they talked about going out here into the world and doing these things. It's easier said than done. And sometimes you just got to stand up and face your own fears. And I thank God they have the both of each other. They have the of each other in this moment to really lean on. Yeah, I like seeing the two of them bond over something because we see. Ted and Melanie, and we know they have a close bond. They and we have know a close Brian and Lindsay has theirs. Right, yeah, but I like seeing, I like when they pair off in unexpected pairs. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed those those moments and those scenes. So I like this for, for them. And the two of them remind each other that they are up for the challenge ahead. Like, I think what you were saying earlier, Emmett usually does have more freedom to be a lot more flighty, but now he's got to be the primary breadwinner in their relationship. And mm-hmm. so it is putting him in a different in a different position in a different role and I mean like he can't afford to fail. Like, right. Yeah. This is like this is a necessity for the family. So Right. And so yeah, I like that they that they motivate and encourage each other here. You know, we see Lindsay and she's trying to get in on the turtleneck gang. She ain't quite at the TNT <laughs> level. She ain't quite at Turtleneck Taylor level. No, but, but she she, ain't get, there. she gets the honorable mention and she does look beautiful. Her you know, her face is flawless mm-hmm. in, in this scene. Yeah. So we see Ben, and he is checking in on on the kid who did spend the night with them. And Michael is not happy about any of this. He doesn't want Ben getting getting in too deep with this kid. and But Ben doesn't want to just toss him out like everyone else clearly has. But Michael is still very resisting. He's like, this isn't our responsibility. Don't ask to keep him. We're not taking in straight. Stop treating him like he's a dog. I know. Okay? I just And if you don't want him in your house, which is understandable, okay, this is a stranger you don't know his habits. I get that. Right. But as a human and as an adult, why haven't you found some shelter that was nice and vetted of a shelter or ask your mom, can she just stay there? And if you don't trust that, find, find him something, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's my thing. Suggest an alternative. Yeah. Don't, don't just come you, with the problem. Yeah. If you see that this means, even if it doesn't mean anything to you, you see it means a lot to Ben, suggest a a very, an option, you know, another option, another alternative. Yep. Uh, you know, Michael is a very cautious creature of comfort. And so, I'm not surprised that he's reacting this way. I just, I don't like his word choices or his tone or yeah. his judginess about, nasty. about any of this. Nasty and rude. Yeah. Like you were saying, they don't know this kid and this kid is desperate. And so when you're desperate, you do you desperate, things. desperate things. And so, yeah. But also he is a kid who's clearly had to grow up very fast and he's a human being. Yes. And that's who- where, that's where I'm having an issue at. Like, yes, I understand. You don't know this guy. He could be dangerous. He could be a threat. You don't want him in your home. Come up with some solutions. Yeah. Okay. Help him. Don't just kick him out to the curb like everyone else has. Yeah. Well, so the kid wakes up and it's around noon and uh, he's got to get to work because it's a lunch hour and that's one of his busiest times. It's all the married businessmen, which. <laughs> sad, but yeah, so true. Sad, but true. There's that honesty again Um, in, in the storytelling. Yeah. Well, Ben is trying to at least have him eat something before he leaves. And Michael's like, yeah, you can't do your best work on an empty stomach. Shade, like, just shut up shade. at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, we already know you're not happy. You don't mm-hmm. like it. Just just stop talking at this point. Um, I, I don't think he has to be so rude in front of this this kid. Now, true, it seems like the kid can take it because he's used to it. But still, I'm sure he doesn't need any more of it. Right. He can have his opinions and he can share those with Ben. But I just think I would give an underage hustler the benefit of the doubt and assume that just maybe something happened to land him on the streets. 
Um, well, anyway, Ben gives the kid his phone number and the kid actually takes it, which is a huge thing. And then he gives him um, some money. I say it's a huge thing because I doubt this kid trusts anybody. And so was like, no, I don't want your number because I don't know what you want from me. Yeah, just the fact that he takes it, I think maybe he recognizes something genuine. In yeah, because at first I'm thinking he's still on the edge. Like, who are these people? Like, right. there is no one on earth like this, like this man. But the fact that, I mean, Ben is still over trying. I mean, making sandwiches for three, bringing you in for you to go to sleep, clearly disrupting his own household for you. You know, you can hear the walls are thin. You can hear what's going on, mm-hmm. you know. And Michael is not speaking in a whisper. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then giving you my number, if you ever need someone to call, just vent just or whatever. Talk. Yeah, you just to talk. Yeah. Hit me up and then gave him money as well on top of that, you know. So, I mean, it, he has never experienced or encountered anyone that didn't expect anything in return yeah. from, from him. Yeah. And Michael says, well, you know, well, we did more than most people would for him. And I like Ben's I like Ben's line because it really makes you think. He says, well, we just bought off our conscience for a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. It's like. Yeah, it looks like a good gesture, but really, it's, I feel like I just did that to make myself feel like a good person. And so mm-hmm. I just, this is a very interesting topic that they brought up here. That they he should have checked here. Michael. I mean, he he checked Michael in that one statement, but it should have been deeper because I think Michael, that just rolled off his back. I know Michael's a smart guy, so it probably hit him and he felt it takes time for him to process and then he'll come back. But I wanted, Mike, I wanted Ben to throw some words together so hard that it just punched him in his face. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, over at the gallery, Emmett and Lindsay have whipped this opening together, honey. They came the through. Drag queens are a hit. The people are enjoying themselves. And uh, Emmett is collecting business cards left and right. Girl, he collecting that. Yeah, huh? even Sydney wants to book him again for another opening they have in June. And so, yeah, they have done a great job, the two of them. They revived this little dead ass shop. That shop was little. <laughs> was, for one, nobody was in it when we first saw it, okay? Yeah. You could already tell the way the party was going to go was a snooze fest. Right. And we know how Emmett can liven up a party. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they did that. I'm proud of both of them. Like, they both the shining. This was their moments. Yeah. You know? This is what they excel yeah, at. Exactly. They did that. I was very, very proud. Yeah. Well, Melanie and Ted are there, and they are uh, wearing the proverbial shoe on the other foot. They are used <laughs> to being, to being, I guess, kind of like the featured party and their partners being the supportive ones for the things going on in their lives. But it seems like Melanie seems to be handling this shift a little bit better than Ted. And but I think that's because Melanie has a career and she's very successful in it. She knows where she's at and what she's doing. And Ted is having to rebuild. Yeah. Um, but I I'm glad they're they're there though. It's just at the end of it's like Melanie had a true happiness. But Ted is not in the I don't I don't think that he's in the position right now to be fully happy. He's right. lost everything. He right. has nothing going on. Like I mean, he's proud of he's gonna always be proud of Emma no matter what. But I, I wonder if he's feeling less than, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because he is usually the one who's stable and can be mm-hmm. counted on. And now he's having to count on Emmett. And yeah, it's got to be hard to see the other person take, the other partner take on the role that you're used to having. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We see Ben again, and he's still looking out the window, and he sees that same kid. He's he's working. He's getting in the car with another John and, and driving off. And he just can't shake what that kid said to him about the whole no condom thing. And then just the reality of the situation, Ben is just having a really hard time shaking that. Okay. So, um, the, in the next scene, the last scene, we see Justin and he is at Brian's door and this is him doing exactly what Brian told him to do. He's Take standing, the initiative. Yeah. He's standing up for himself. He's going after what he wants. And he has requested to speak with Mr. Kenny and Brian invites him in. 
And I take Brian's willingness to continue this conversation as him agreeing to what has been said so far. He knows that Justin was right. He could have done more to make Justin stay. And he ain't exactly denying that he still loves Justin. No. Yeah, you because know, Justin said that and Brian didn't say any, any didn't have any objections. None. Well, Justin seeks him out as Mr. Kenny. And I think that puts Brian as at ease because it's giving him control, not over Justin, but over himself and mm-hmm. over whatever his part of the outcome of this whole deal will be. Um, and if Brian can talk about all this through the lens of work, quote unquote, then that makes him more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I heard an interpretation of this scene as Justin begging Brian and Brian holding all the cards, but I don't, I don't see it like that. Oh no, at I all. saw Br- Justin coming in with the cards. Oh yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. He coming in so calm, cool, and collected, girl. The way he sat in that chair and leaned back. When, when you get to the part where he said, I was just like, okay, I'm done. Like, come, he has arrived. <laughs> yeah, because he says something. He does something in this scene. I'm just like, this boy is good. Yeah. So Justin knows how un- how uncomfortable feelings and emotions make Brian. And so it's very smart and considerate of him to go about it this way. It's not him being all submissive and falling back into being that naive 17-year-old kid Mm-mm. who thinks Brian walks on water. Like, this is a man who has come to understand the man he loves. And he's learned how to communicate with that man. Mm-hmm. He knows Brian's scars and his bruises. And he has learned how to navigate the terrain of Brian. And so this is Justin extending the courtesy or the perception of control to to Brian. But Justin's not giving up anything. Nothing. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Justin's there at the door and Brian says, you wanted to see me? And so he invites Justin to come in and and have a seat. And for Brian, this whole scene, he is trying so hard. The name of the game is cool. Like he Mm -hmm. is trying so hard. (laughs) To be unbothered, but yeah, but uh, when here, Justin ends, he's always shooketh. But yeah, here we go. Justin sits down and he says, "I gave it some thought, and I decided you should take me back." I think that Justin knows Brian wants to take him back, but he knows Brian won't just go for mm-hmm. it. He's not going to make that first move. So even though he gave Brian the appearance of control, very Justin's very much in charge here. And so after Justin says that, Brian says, "Oh, <laughs> so no objection, no counter argument." But he's also off the hook from having to straight up ask for what Brian's off the hook from having to ask for what he wants. Mm-hmm. Because Justin's just like, I know this is what you want. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And Justin says, even though I've made even though I've made a few mistakes, I think you'd be making an even bigger one, not giving me a second chance. And uh, you know, this is Justin admitting that he messed up in more ways than one. He's not just throwing all the blame on Brian. Right. And I think that it's very important that he told Brian what he what Brian could have done better or differently. I think that's very important. But then he says, you'd only be, you'd be making a bigger one, a, an even bigger mistake by not giving me a second chance. And I think that's him saying, again, I know you want this as much as I do. And you'll regret letting your pride and ego and fear hold you back mm-hmm. from this. And then Brian says, I see. And again, Brian is trying to be as cool as a cucumber here. But you can see that his facade is cracking. Like He wants to smile so bad because he has been missing this man in his life mm-hmm. and in his bed. And it looks like he could be headed back there. And Justin says, because now I know what it is you want from me and what I can expect from you. What do you, what do you that think? Part what do right you think there. Brian wants from Justin? Um, I think he's just wanting to be more himself. Stand up. Claim what you want. Claim what's yours, basically. It was that moment right there where I was just like, damn, Justin's good. Because he says, now I know what to expect from you. You know, like that phrase right there, like, I know you, baby. I know how I know how you work. You know, like it was yeah. that right there just sealed the deal for me. Like I was just like, oh my God, this boy is so damn good. But how did you interpret it? You know, I think 
so the question was, what do I think, what does Brian want from Justin? I think he wants him to make allowances for his limitations to mm-hmm. understand there are going to be things that I can't or won't do Provide, or say. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But he wants Justin to honor the things that they committed to do. I think mm-hmm. he does want that. And I also think he wants Justin to stay into like what you said, to be honest about what he wants. I think he wants Justin to see past his ego and the things that he can't say or won't right. say or won't do or won't say. And I think he wants Justin to know that Brian's presence is his commitment. Like that, that's how I'm committed to this, like by being present. Right. Um, and then the second part of that is what can Justin expect from Brian? What do you think? I think he can expect that, you know, Brian is going to be Brian, which means he's not going to communicate his feelings as he always should, you know. But like you said, his presence is his commitment. And that, you know, if he's, if you know that he cares for you, although if he's not saying it, you know, so don't overexpect. Don't expect that traditional lovey-dovey type thing because that's not who I am. I don't express that way. But you you know my heart and you know you know how I love. So mm-hmm. don't try to force me into doing something else. You should know what you're getting. I'm going to keep it 100 with you all the time. I may be an ass, but you know I'm going to love you. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's what he knows. Like, I know you. I learn. I know exactly how to play you now. You know, not even play you, but I know exactly how to treat you and or how to read you now. Yeah, I think, it, I think part of it is what Brian said in 206, when I'm out, I'm out. Make all the assumptions you want about mm-hmm, what I'm doing while mm-hmm, I'm out. Mm-hmm. But also when I come home to you every night, it's because I want to. And I think that there's a very indirect acknowledgement that he wants Justin to be there. And mm-hmm. so that is what Justin can expect from Brian, like Brian wanting you to be there. I think Justin has made it clear that, uh, I think he's made it clear what he wanted and needed from Brian before. So I think he he can expect Brian to act like he heard him and to val- validate their relationship in some way, in mm-hmm. some form of, or fashion, and to act like it actually means something to him. And also, I think Justin will get from Brian what he was getting before, but now he sees the value of it. Like, Brian's not going to pump me full of empty words and empty Mm -hmm. promises. Like, I'm going to get what I've been getting from from Brian. Because Justin says, like, what you gave me was a million times more than what I got from Ethan. So now he sees Mm -hmm. what he was getting. And so he's going to get more, more of that. And so I think this is kind of like 206 in a way where they're negotiating these terms of of what their relationship is going to look like. Only it's a little bit different. And I think the significant and key difference here from what they had before is that they're having a very deliberate and intentional conversation about their expectations before going into this. Mm-hmm. And that was severely lacking before. And that led to all kinds of problems for them. It's because Justin wanted him no matter what. Like, Justin would have signed his name over in blood that first <laughs> go around. You know what I'm saying? For Justin, I mean, yeah. for Brian. Well, I think that those, the rules that they made then did make sense and did work for them, but it was, they were kind of already involved in this relationship. And that was just kind of like, okay, here's what you're going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. But that wasn't really establishing the expectations and what each of them wanted out of the relationship. That was, Mm -hmm. this was just like, here's how we're going to conduct ourselves. But they didn't really talk about what they expected to get out of the relationship Mm -hmm. from each person and what they were also going to contribute to the relationship. Brian and Justin say, a lot with just a little to each other. So then just those few lines, they make it very, it makes it very clear what they'll each be required to contribute to this, to this relationship. And I think being on the same page also establishes some equality in their relationship, which is something else that was missing. Mm -hmm. All right, let's pick the scene back up. So this next line, Brian says, you also understand that you will be required to work long, hard hours deep into the night. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Uh, yeah, and Justin I was like, "Oh, I'm ready, baby." Justin says, 
says, it will be a pleasure to work under you. Under sir. you. I love the wordplay and roleplay. I told here. y'all Justin was <laughs> I told y'all Justin was killing that this whole episode. Yeah. And this little smile on Justin's face, I think that's him saying that, okay, Brian's letting me back in, like all the way back in. There are no half measures with these two. And he's seeing that Brian has forgiven him and they're moving past it all. But this isn't just about about sex, you know, although sex is something that's very beautiful and vital in their relationship. Um, their relationship was more than sex. They right. had a true connection. And, yeah, and the sex was never the issue. And so this isn't just about them getting con- to connect in that way again. And Brian is the one who who kind of brings up something beyond that. He wants to set one more thing straight because he <laughs> says, and you're never to play violin music in my presence again. And I think that's Brian letting Justin know how much he hurt him by choosing Justin, Ethan over mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. And Yes, Brian would never hold Justin back from being happy or doing what he thinks he needs to do. But here he's admitting that he was jealous and he was devastated by what Justin did. Right. And Justin says, I promise. And that's an acknowledgement that he hears him. He knows that he hurt Brian and that even though Brian acts like he didn't care, he super cared. And this is also Justin saying, I'm not going to do that to Mm -hmm. you again. And I, I think that Brian trusts that and he believes him i mean i believe him yeah i do too yeah and so then brian says good and that means it's in their rear view i mean they exchange so i have talked way more than they have no (laughs) they've exchanged like six lines in this whole scene but they have accomplished all of this stuff just off of looks but that's what we love about them is that they have this non-verbal communications Mm -hmm. like this telepathic type of communication that they have Yeah, they can shorthand talk to each other and then and brian's saying good then justin knows like okay we're we're back on we're good right. everything's forgiven we're, you know where you can be taking a, a good as in we're good yeah good and then as him in, saying don't play violin music in my presence like brian communicating paragraphs yes. of things to justin and justin receiving that and then sending back paragraphs to brian right by saying i promise like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but yeah so in just a few words they have reconciled the whole situation and, of course, you know, all the interactions between them in this episode have led up to this point so that they can move forward. And Brian says, well, then you can start immediately. And so they are diving right back in immediately. Girl, I saw him get up and I was like, boy, you better shut that door. Yeah. You better shut that door. And this time they know exactly what they're diving into. There's no waiting period. or no, let's take it slow. Like, they both know how they feel and where they stand with each other. And so Brian walks around to Justin's side of the just inside of the desk. And Justin gets up and it looks like he's going to leave, and, but he closes the door. Oh. <laughs> and Brian lets Justin make the first move. And I think Justin instinctively knows that he'll have to just to show Brian, like, I'm here and I'm choosing to be like, I'm back mm-hmm. because I want to be back. And uh, Brian has not been celibate by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but for the first few episodes, most of the time, he was either imagining he was with Justin or trying to get Justin out of his mind. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't enjoying himself. It was like he was going through the motions yeah. just to get to... It's a means to a lackluster end. Mm-hmm. And for Justin's part, I'm sure things were fine with Ethan, but I know it was nothing like the experience of being with Brian. And mm-hmm. not because he's the best lay in gay PA, but because they have a unique, very special, intimate connection. No, correct. But yeah, and so we see them reuniting. <laughs> I am screaming like the little 12 year old girl I inside. Yeah, I'm going to start crying. I know, I know, like, I have missed that so much. We see them reconnect. 
the I mean like and also and again even in the scene they didn't even get graphic and crazy right. you don't even need that with them anymore you, know, you, know, mm-hmm. like, you don't I, I love that they showed that in the beginning but just seeing their, their interaction the chemistry back we didn't we didn't see no ass we saw none of that we just saw them kissing shirts and com- shirts come off and the intimacy of them like oh my god like yeah I love this scene. I love this song here. Lovers spit. I love this reunion. This is the perfect way back to them. Mm -hmm. And I think they deserve this reunion. I deserve this reunion. I deserved this (laughs) damn reunion. They look so freaking happy. And it was a little spicy. It was in the the office. They look so freaking happy to be with each other again. Like, they can't touch enough. They can't kiss enough. Can't get close enough. And there's this giddiness to them. And you know, even as Brian is waiting for Justin to join him back at his desk, he's trying to rein in his smile, you know, like, because not only is he getting lucky tonight, he's getting Justin back and he has missed him like crazy. Mm-hmm. Justin has carved a forever home inside of Brian. And I think no matter what's to come for them for the rest of this season or the seasons that follow, there's always going to be some kind of bond between the two of them. I, I forgot to mention it earlier, but in the scene where where Justin's talking to him about like, yep, I've decided you're going to take me back. You'd be making a big mistake if you didn't. Like, you can just see the smile tugging at Brian's, at his lips. Mm-hmm. Like, he, even in that moment, he already knows that they're going to be. Yeah. That they're, knew. yeah. Oh, Can't yeah. deny it. Yeah. You know, and he, and also he loves to take charge in Justin, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Have we ever seen Brian look this happy and relieved? No. But I one. don't know that he's ever looked this happy and, and relieved. And I love that there's almost something private about this scene. Like you were saying earlier, we only get glimpses into it. Like, this is theirs. And I'm grateful for what we do get to see. But I feel like, but also part of me feels like I don't want to intrude on this moment. Exactly. Like, they just need this time for them. And I'm glad it happened here at Brian's office and not at Babylon or the loft where one of the family members could stop by and interrupt or whatever. Like, they just needed this time for the two of them. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was much needed. And I mean, I'm happy. Like, this felt like an eternity. Like, for real. This is what the eternity really was. Not having them together. So, to actually see them together made me feel so good and at home again. I loved it. It was worth it. It made all of the pain and suffering from the other (laughs) episodes totally worth it. Which I even... But there was something about that. About watching Brian be so hurt and broken that was beautiful because it just showed us how deeply he cares yep. for it showed that he was human because Justin. he comes off as supernatural like he doesn't have a heart he's invincible yeah but I think we learned yeah. early on in season one that ain't the truth but we right. really got to see you, it you here. really got to see it this time I mean he puts on a good show like you can't really get to Brian but Justin broke down all those walls and the fact that we got to see him go through that like you said, it was beautiful. And, and let us see that he actually actually hurts. He's real. So Yeah. And at a, and like we said, we'll revisit some of this stuff. But I think even the Ethan arc was necessary because we needed to see Justin grow in True. some different ways. We need to see him heal in some different ways. And I don't think that Ethan grew or healed him necessarily. But I think there was something about this journey that was very necessary for Justin and even for Brian because... What I'm interested in seeing is, okay, how what looks different in their relationship now mm-hmm. based on the, break, time, the, the breakup in the reunion? Yeah, what mm-hmm. looks different now? And so what did Brian learn and what did Justin learn and how do those things fit together? Right. Or do they go back to in the same little routine that they were in? Right. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, but back to, um, before we get out of here, but back to um, what you were saying, I think it was very necessary for the Ethan and um, Justin situation because Justin, like you said, had a lot of growing to do. 
I'm glad that Justin was able to dibble and dabble in a different relationship before just, you know, diving yeah. head on into Brian. Because there would have always been that question of yeah. like, well, that's all you know. Yeah, so exactly. Of course, of course you're head over heels for him. That's all yeah. you know. Or resentment would have built up as in, right. I gave up my whole entire young life and this is how you do me. Or yeah. I never got to try out. I never got to do this. You know, yes, they go around and have sex with others, but he needed to see that other grass. You know, see if that, that grass on the other side. So I'm glad that he were able, he was able to see that. And like you said, he it was a learning experience. So mm-hmm. hopefully he... He takes some some of that and, you know, can incorporate that into this newfound relationship um, with Brian. So, yeah, I hope so. Well, guys, I hope y'all enjoyed this just as much as we did. We all know that 308 is the one to watch. <laughs> yeah. We all know that is the one to watch. So, I mean, yeah, I hope y'all enjoy this episode that we commentated tonight for you guys. And as always, like we always ask, please be interactive with us. Let us hear your comments. Write in, email, do whatever you need to do to get us your questions. But I do want to give a special little shout out. Again, to Mr. Billy Hauser. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And Daphne. Yes. If it wasn't for them, too, we wouldn't have our babies back. Yes, okay? Daphne, so, girl. Girl, we owe you. Yes, we owe you. You clutch, girl. <laughs> you clutch, okay? That rider. But, um, yeah, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you guys. And until next time, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.